everybody. Welcome to the Boy Hattie Podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. We're here to piffle y'all about pop culture duchesses. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, pal. Yeah, I've been gone for the last two weeks, at least. Uh, I was on vacation, and it was super lovely. You do look, like, nice and happy and refreshed. Dude, you I got didn't realize how tense I was until I relaxed. It was super good. So what'd you do? I went to go visit some friends in Stratford, Canada, which is home of... Are you allowed to talk about who they are? Because people on the podcast probably know who they are. Well, we've talked about them at length. Or our li- podcast listeners should know who they are. But anyway, um, the Stratford, Canada is home to my friends and also um, Justin Bieber and the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. Are you serious? That's Justin the Bieber? only thing that this place is was known for. Was he born there? Yeah, or... this was where he grew up, my friend. Oh, so Jesus. that is why I got, as my souvenir, a To Bieber or Not To Bieber t-shirt. <laughs> That I love, if, and if, if uh, that helps, like that, like the money that spent you, you spent on that T-shirt actually helps, like any kind of Shakespearean historical society. Oh, get pff, all those guys, whatever. So, so, so was Shakespeare from Stratford, Canada, and he just did he yes, just emigrate later? Uh-huh. No, it's funny that so this neck of Canada is uh, Anglophile Ontario, and um, there was a town that was in, like in the 1880s was named Shakespeare. And then everything around this area got named after all these various Shakespeare things. Oh, so it's not even like... Well, I mean, it makes sense that, like, Stratford would be named after Stratford von Avon or yeah. whatever, but, like... It's Stratford von Avon. So wait, is there still a Shakespeare town? Yeah, there's still Shakespeare. My favorite place was the Shakespeare Truck Center. Just made me laugh every time so I saw it. So why isn't the Shakespeare stuff held in Shakespeare? Is Shakespeare, like, is, is everything, is it, like, Shakespeare, is it, like, a donut hole where it's, like, everything but Shakespeare isn't actually Shakespeare stuff? You know, Bill, it, things happening isn't reliant on the name Wait, of places. Wait, you're talking about all these towns around the town of Shakespeare are named after Shakespeare stuff. So well, Stratford I'm saying Str- Shakespeare like was founded first. Town. Oh, okay. So is um, there, What like... I'm saying is everything around Stratford was named after Shakespeare because okay, of Shakespeare. Okay, okay, okay. So, anyway, um... Uh, like, Town Sonnet 16 isn't all about, like, Shakespearean <laughs> Food. There we go. And you got like it's not like the Hunger Games where there's different districts, except it's instead of like, like it's this is like different like Shakespeare districts. If Today, you want to see, we, we salute Stratford Avon Avon with your fantastic theatrical <laughs> exports. If you want to see a lot of tacky Shakespeare themed uh, tourist attractions yeah. and like uh, uh, crappy little mugs and stuff, I highly recommend. So you go how, to Stratford, does this, how does this compare to uh, Ashland? I've oh, never which is been Oregon's to big. see the Ashland Shakespeare oh, Festival. Been out there. Oh, I, I go, I go every. I know. Every, well, I, I will tell you when. Uh, for my birthday, they got me tickets to go see King Lear at the Stratford Shakespeare Festival, oh. and went to go, and it was damn good. It was really Wait, good. Stratford, and or it made Ashland? me miss Stratford. Which was why I was going, which was my vacation that just happened. Oh, that was part of your birthday stuff. Yeah, they got it for my yeah, birthday. You were off like belatedly. Oh, Cassie, okay, we were talking about. Well, I yeah. got tickets back then. I mean, it's a they're really expensive and yeah, it's like say, a your really like desirable. Six ago, yeah. Anyway, uh, went to go see King Lear with Colm Fjord. It was really good. Damn, it was, it was good. Fjord. He's been in a shit ton of movies as minor characters. He was, uh, <laughs> what, what Emily kept telling me, she's like, oh, he was the doctor in Face Off that removed their faces. <laughs> Um, after this, we went Colm to go. Fjord? Colm Colm Fjord, F E O R E. He's been in little bits and pieces in a lot of movies. My my wife's favorite Shakespeare movie is Titus by Julie Taymor, and uh, we watched that when we came back. And he's in that too. He plays yeah. uh, Titus's brother. But anyway, um, it was a beautiful production, really well done. One thing the Stratford Shakespeare Festival does is that they have more or less static sets. They're just kind of a simple black box set in their main theater. 
and where they do a lot of Shakespeare. So it's like when so, they do acting on Star Trek The Next Generation. Exactly. So their thesis is where they don't have, and they also don't have a lot of money. So they're like, well, then rather than spend a lot of money on sets, let's spend put our money into costumes and then just let the characters the set the, the stage. Point, yeah. Exactly. So beautiful, just absolutely astonishing costuming. And we also went on the tour of the Stratford um, costume warehouse. Yeah, I saw you guys posting photos of you guys all dressed up, yeah. like you know, they have fifty-five thousand costumes. They've yeah. this 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 they've been going on for fifty-five years. And uh, they rent out costumes to the Toronto film and theater scene and television scene. In fact, while I was there, there was a, a costume designer pulling dresses for a Mary Queen of Scots show that's being filmed in Toronto. Oh, that's fine. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was really a lot of fun, very relaxing, very chill. Wait, wouldn't they be like they should be getting all kinds of shit? Not to say that the show is based on Elizabethan times, but. What's the goddamn Sleepy Hollow show? That they filmed that in New York. That's kind of close to that sure. place. Well, they have more than just Elizabethan costumes. Oh yeah. Well, because with fifty five thousand costumes, I would assume that they have more than just like yeah, exactly. Costumes it, it's really them. interesting because they sort their costumes generally by type. So like men's suits, women's like you know casual dresses, formal yeah, dresses, exactly, yeah. and then within those general categories, they're sort of by time period. Yeah. So you have like uh-huh. you know medieval and Elizabethan yeah, I saw and you guys were dressed very specifically and... up like you guys were all done up like you know Shakespeare and love yeah bullshit but Shakespeare you know? <laughs> so yeah it was it was really a lot of fun had a really good time very relaxed um didn't play so oh I... your your dude was in Thor. Yeah, he was in Thor. Yeah. He was also in the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh-huh. This guy you were talking about, Comb Fjord. Uh, oh, he man. He did a really astonishing job as um, Lear. What's really funny is that the Shakespeare Festival is largely um, attended by elderly white people. Yeah. So it was just like... Yeah, welcome to Shakespeare. It was the yeah. four of us and then just... Hundreds of white people in this theater, old white people. It was, it was a hoot, which is really funny. Well, King Lear. You guys are young white people, so it's not like you guys are that much different. But well, they're young, middle class to lower class people versus retired, moneyed people. Oh, it's yeah. a very different archetype, my friend. But uh, also young queers, really? <laughs> young oh, like theater poor and stuff queers. Like that. Like, no, 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 yeah. no. That was us oh, versus you guys. the hordes, oh, okay, 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 yeah. the hordes of of older, moneyed white people. Which is really funny because King Lear is about like being old and dementia yeah. and like falling apart, and it's just really interesting to be in a crowd of white people, like old. Were they all old. hanging on their seats to find out whether or not he's gonna like get through the play crazy or not? The guy next to Foley straight up fell asleep. Yeah, he was woken up by the thunder effects. That were so you said this is all indoor stuff. Though, yeah, right? it was indoor. It was like the black yeah. box theater. Though. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's, it was a good size auditorium, but yeah, it was like very simple black box. Did you guys see anything about uh, King Lear? No, that was all I saw. Still pretty it's cool. really a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess like something like that, if it's going to be that popular, you would kind of like need tickets like six months. months yeah. And also, it's like expensive as shit. It's not one of those things no, where it's imagine. like, you yeah. know. It's, that was the thing. It made me really want to go see more theater because I haven't seen a lot of live theater expensive. since being in Portland. But yeah, it's fucking pricey. Well, it's like me just even going to see John Williams. Not to say that's theater, but that's like something where it's it's in a fancy place <laughs> where white people get live, dressed up in suits. Live events. It's going to cost $100. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, not, like, it's not like going to, to a typical show or something like that. How much were your t- how much were tickets at the, this thing? I did not ask because like, they were tickets. birthday. Well, I don't know if, if there was like pricing when you walked in. Oh, Bill, there are not it's, tickets it's for sale where, at the theater. It's one of those things where if, if you, you have, have to ask, ask. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting in. Yeah, exactly. But no, it was it was really a lot of fun. It was amazing production. 
Um, I very much enjoyed it. And yeah, now I really want to go see more theater, except it was so good. I'm worried that kind of spoiled me. Yeah. But what was funny is that before I went out to visit, um, I watched the first season of Slings and Arrows, which is a Canadian TV show that is which not I'm so... Watch, I've seen the first like two episodes like three times, but I've never been able to, to plow you, through the rest of if it. You yeah. get, if you get into it, it gets pretty good. But yeah. what's funny is that it is directly skewering the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. Is that what takes place in Stratford? No, it's, it's like I a small... I know it's almost the same setup because it's a small, uh, a small it's, Canadian town. It's not Stratford, but it's Stratford. That's based off of its like Shakespearean heritage. I mean, even that, that, it's like down to the swans it's and everything. So, it's... I just love pockets uh, in the rest of the... You know, like the actual Stratford, uh, Stratford in, in, in England. It's totally justified. You know, they actually do have like a Shakespearean heritage. But it's funny that other... Like these other cities around the world, like, like Ashland and, and Stratford, kind of like built up their own kind of like adopted Shakespearean heritage. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting. Well, just that theater heritage. But um, one thing that I was thinking about and I need to read into, I don't know how Shakespeare became our canon theater. Like, I really like Shakespeare, don't get me wrong. But I was thinking about that. I'm like, what is it about Shakespeare that made him, that he is so our canon that if you do not understand Shakespeare, then... You just don't understand a lot of English culture. Like yeah, English especially because, culture. I mean, like, uh, people love to talk about how when Shakespeare was alive and writing those plays, he was popular, but he wasn't like, Mm-mm. it's not like he was, it's not like he was, sh- like, it's not like everyone's like, we gotta go see Shakespeare before mm-hmm. he's dead because it's Shakespeare. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like the J.K. Rowling of our time where he was popular and everyone knew him, but it wasn't like, yeah, we, they they didn't know they were like in 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 the presence of oh my god this guy. Oh man! So I went to the centuries. I went to the theater gift shop because I love I goddamn love gift shops and yeah. they had these little shirts for girls like little baby girls like toddlers that said little Juliet in looping letters what? and I'm just looking at this going Did, have you read <laughs> have you read. But, did like, they have like little Hamlet shirts too? No, they did not. They did have to we or not to we shirts. <laughs> pretty good but anyway it was a really relaxing trip i saw some good theater i got so i got to chill out with my pals i got to chill out and go swimming in a lake and i got to you know just go on lots what, of lake beautiful Huron? walks yeah i went swimming in lake huron it was, was it really cold? it was cold as balls so, see, those great lakes tend to be even in the middle of the summer can be fucking cold as balls or dead fish all over the place no dead fish that's my experience beautiful with lake yeah. cold as balls we actually went swimming swimming in a little lake off of Lake Huron, but it was beautiful. Oh, you guys had swimsuits and everything. Really like good time. That? Oh hell yeah! I was Aww. like, I'm gonna go to Great Lake. I'm gonna go splash around. So it was a really fun vacation. I feel very relaxed. So I'm ready to get mad at you as we talk about pop culture. Why? <laughs> you have an amazing ability of picking on and picking at the one aspect. It's not my fault. No. But at least you had, had two weeks away from Bill Budge and <laughs> screeching at you about stuff you love. Um, um. How, how was your? How have you been the last couple weeks, my friend? Oh, and thank you to Grumpy Turtle and uh, Jacob. For filling in in my absence. Also, Maxwell Motley. She was oh, in, Maxwell uh, for the first episode. Yeah, first episode it was Jacob and Maxwell Motley, and last week it was uh, Grumpy Turtle and uh, and I hate DRM. Thank you so much, friends, for filling in yeah. and uh, entertaining Bill while I was off and away. It was like babysitting a small child for two hours. <laughs> um, what, what have you been up to, my friend? Wait, how did I'm, I'm curious because I like I like it's 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 weird that I read so much about Shakespeare, but I really even I don't know exactly how Shakespeare became Shakespeare. That's really interesting. Yeah. Someone write a book report for us next week. And we'll talk about it. <laughs> it's like, I, it's one of those things where if I did even cursory Googling, I could probably yeah, find it out. But instead, I'm just idly thinking, huh. But it's funny that, like, yeah, like, we, I think even within, like, like, like less than a century after his death, he had, like, his works had already become, like, yeah, it was kind of like the cult. Well, I think the thing about Shakespeare is that he so much was, um, 
he's so much consumed and kind of, uh, uh, he, he was so much, he was so elusive to Greek and Roman and biblical stuff that by learning Shakespeare, you kind of indirectly learn like a lot of other cultural Yeah, because he was so voracious in his influences. Yeah. And stuff like that. So it's like, like yeah. by, cons- by knowing Shakespeare, you really get to learn a, the larger English canon. It's kind of window into the world, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Also, he ain't too shitty in general. But yeah, we Foley's favorite Shakespeare is Titus, is the movie version Titus with uh, Titus Julie Tamer. I'm not even quite sure. I had never read Titus. Yeah. It is early Shakespeare. I know the movie version is, is everyone loves that. It, no, like, it is terrible. Yeah. It is like, well, no, it is, it is balls out in every direction. The good ideas are really good, but for every one good idea, there are two really bad ideas. <laughs> It's. Uh, well, I realize. Julie Taymor. She's okay. So Julie Taymor's the lady who did like the Lion King Broadway yeah. play. So she's yeah. known for like really pretty, mm-hmm. like at, at least like theatrical, like very like gorgeous designed production. I realize that Julie Taymor is kind of like um, Tarsem in yeah. that she's very much so committed to these visuals at the expense of all else. Yeah. So I don't think Titus quite lands it, but it's interesting. But Titus is also a weird fucking play that you can't really do much with because uh-huh. it was early Shakespeare just trying to be as bloodthirsty as possible. So it's just like a fucking murderous fuck fest. Not even like in the way, well, you know, Shakespeare, everything dies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Titus is needlessly bloodthirsty, like way or, needlessly like, yeah, bloodthirsty. Shakespeare had a little, something a little too much to prove there where he's like, yeah, I could write a super cool well, ass play. You know how when there are certain young people who are like, I'm going to write something edgy and then well, they just rip off. Saying, Tarantino, yeah, yeah. it's it's Shakespeare's Tarantino, like his, his Tarantino fan fiction, really. So, so this is like Shakespeare, uh, Shakespearean version of like everyone's dressed like a '90s hacker and they're all <laughs> trying to be a little too badass and like. Just, if you want to re- see a lot of people just murder the fuck out of each other while um, Alan Cumming uh, uh, prances around, then go. Wait, did you see what your favorite Shakespeare stuff is? My favorite Shakespeare? Yeah. I really like As You Like It, but that's because I'm boring and um, it's transparently a Robin Hood riff. Yeah. It's uh, it's Shakespeare's reaction to Ben Jonson's very popular, excuse me, Arthur Monday's very popular Sha- uh, Robin Hood play. Mm-hmm. So I really like As You Like It. Also, As You Like It has um, uh, cross-dressing and, uh, you know, themes of, uh, it's it's Robin Hood. It's like the theme of in the forest, there are no laws, there are no rules, there yeah, are no exactly, social yeah, yeah. mores, and then you come home to the city and that's where, the forest is where you play with, with um, your Which, reality. Which, I mean, that, that's a recurring thing with him, like Midsummer's Night Dream. And yeah. Shit like that too, yeah. Yeah. But I also, I do like, um, as you, uh, excuse me, um, uh, uh, Taming, no, fuck. What's taming it called? Taming the Shrew? Not As You Like How would, why would, I was gonna say, why would you What's, like Taming uh, the Shrew? Beatrice and Benedict fucking... Is that not Taming Much Ado About Nothing. Is that the one that, like, the four different couples? Four They're minutes. all cro- star-crossed and everything like no. that? No. Much Ado About Nothing? No. Yeah. Much Ado About Nothing is about uh, Benedict and Beatrice, who are kind of flirty. They open a be- uh, uh, bed-, bed breakfast. Yes. <laughs> Beat Bees, Beat Bees. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh... Before we went on this trip, I watched, uh, they added to Netflix, Joss Whedon's uh, Much Ado About Nothing, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I forgot that was on there. I wanted to go see it in the theater just to see, like, I this know. is like, like, such a It's good worth seeing just because Amy Acker as um, Beatrice is fucking astounding. Was, she's the one who, she was, what, Fred on... On, on Angel. Which I still have barely seen of. She's yeah. astonishing. She she's really, really so, good. So, wait, who are the two leads? Is it her and Nathan Fillion? No, uh, Benedict is played by What's-His-Butt, who played Wesley on Angel. Is he good? He yeah. was he Are was they okay. lovers on the show, so it's kind of yeah. like, like fan-wanky casting? Well, yeah. well it's... it's... <laughs> Fuck you. It's, well, uh, that's like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, 
Uh, he is not great. Because the whole thing about Benedict is that Benedict is a self-absorbed asshole who is kind of charming despite his self-absorption. Yeah. And the reason why Ken- my favorite version of Much Do is Kenneth Branagh's, which had him and Emma Thompson as Beatrice Benedict. And they were so greatly matched. And also Kenneth Branagh totally is believable as a very smart but not very... No, it should be... Not necessarily... He's not... He's very clever, but he's not very smart. Like a uh, self-absorbed goof guy. Which yeah. is why he was great as Benedict. And I don't... What's his butt? He was okay. Mostly it's that uh, uh, Amy Acker was so good as Beatrice that there's, like... And you know what? kind of blew him out of the water. First, like, the thinking about his character in Harry Potter got me thinking about... Did you see the thing that they just opened up dialogue... No, not that. Not Dialogue Alley. I need Diagon to slow down Alley. and actually say my words. Diagon... What's it called again? Diagon Alley. They opened up Diagon Alley in Florida. Did you see that? I saw... I was just looking at it in your Entertainment Weekly. Yeah! So I guess the Gringotts Bank roller coaster broke down for the first day. Yeah. I, I, a, bunch of people, a bunch of people I follow on Twitter, they were part of the, the, the press thing for that opening. Wouldn't it be great if you had, like, a Shakespeare, like, like Stratford-upon-Avon or Canadian Stratford actually had the funds to kind of do their own little Shakespeare, like, little theme I want to say there is a Shakespeare theme park. I want to say I've heard about this. Well, that would be more than, like, two rides. It wouldn't just be, like, the Enchanted Forest. It would be more like... <laughs> Hey, sure the Enchanted Forest has three rides. Thank you. People, people don't know the Enchanted Forest. You totally Google the Enchanted Forest because it's. Would you consider it a ghetto? No, it's not the Enchanted ghetto. Forest it's just... is fascinating because there was this guy who was a watchmaker in the fifties who decided he he made cast concrete sculptures and he decided he wanted to make a little theme park. So yeah. it is a homegrown theme park. Yeah, it's just outside of Portland. Yeah, there's like it's really I've never fascinating. Been, but I've always seen the pictures. And it's it looks fascinating. Kind of it's really fascinating. It looks like something from a Stephen King story. There's a lot of Disney copyright infringement there. Oh really? Yeah, it's bad. Like all the cast because it's all cast concrete sold story like fairy tale stuff. Oh, so but just it's like... transparently Disney. So Founder, is he dead now? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. So he don't give a fuck. He yeah. copyright infringement <laughs> up his fucking well, ass. Also, who the shit cares in nineteen forty five? Imagine like oh, there could be a water ride where you're uh uh what's the lady who drowns herself? Much to do about splashing. Yeah. Oh, Ophelia's wild ride. <laughs> yeah, you like boogie board yeah. down like there we go. <laughs> Maybe they can take there your picture. Go. Like you could like pretend that you're dead and hold some flowers, and like as you're like cascading off a waterfall, and they take your photo like they do at the end of Splash Mountain. There we go. And so some people will do that, except like they'll show themselves like playing like Smash Brothers. Yeah. There we go, like Bill. Yeah. But anyway, I love the idea of like animatronic monsters and stuff from Shakespeare <laughs> show, like having that kind of like oh, yeah. universal, cr- not even like good Disney, but like crummy universal yeah. movie lot kind of bullshit. Like yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh... So, a good time. Bill, uh, what'd you do while I was gone? Man, what did I do? All kinds of stuff. Um, uh, while you were gone or just in the last week? Just in general. Uh, I spent most of this week, again, working. What the hell did I do this week? Oh, um, the, the, the book cover project that I've been telling you I've been working on for, yeah. for Picador, the, the yeah. New York bu- uh, book publisher. We're almost done with that stuff. Oh, wow, Bill. Can they we finally sent me an email this week saying my editor got in touch with me and he was like, um... I'm going on vacation for the 4th of July. When that when I come back, you need to finish this because it's we're sending this right to the printers. All right. Send us, fill out this paperwork. We're going to get you paid. So that's finally done. So, like, this week I've been working on that. And uh, still more stuff for Clutch Play Games. The mm. uh, the little skullduggery, like, uh, little skull base kind of like... It's not Angry Birds, but you are, like, throwing around this little skull in these, like, puzzle environments. A physics-based puzzle Yeah, physics-based, like, kind of like throwing projectiles uh, puzzle game that I've still... It's still, like, I think that game's supposed to come out 
I think sometime in September or something like that. Okay. We're about halfway done with the the artwork for that, so I've been working on that the, this week. And so because I was working on both that book cover and the Skull Game all week, I spent the whole week uh, while drawing that stuff watching Summer Games Done Quick, which is... So what is Summer Games Done Quick? Summer Games Done Quick, this is just the summertime version of Awesome Games Done Quick, which is the... Uh, Twitch-based speedrun marathon for charity, mm-hmm. where they just yeah, essentially for a whole week they just get a whole bunch of people together and they just do tw- twenty-four hours a day for seven days, just do speedruns of different video games and just broadcast the sh- that shit over the internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can uh, donate for different things, like if you want different people to like play different games or do like do do uh, uh, different shit in different games. You can donate money. There's a whole thing where one of the guys from Giant Bomb named Jeff Gersman. He hates he hates uh, Yoshi and all the Yoshi games. He thinks every <laughs> game starring Yoshi is a piece of shit game, and he thinks Yoshi is a terrible character. And so, in one of the Paper Mario games, there was a campaign like there was a thing where like if you uh, donated so much money, you could help uh, make it so that the 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 Yoshi in the Mario game was named Gersman. It's <laughs> like stupid shit like that. Yeah, and uh, it's half of it's terrible because. Half the half the runners are kind of sullen, quiet guys because they try to get like the best speedrunners sure. in the world for these video games. Yeah, and a lot of those guys, unfortunately, you know, they're not really. Well, they're speedrunners. They're, they're Bill Mudrins. Yeah, they're good at what they do in a dark basement, but they're not exactly <laughs> good at speaking or communicating right. or anything like that. So they can be kind of terrible to watch. Uh, but sometimes they do get occasionally people who are really uh, fun to listen to. Will take the time to explain like what they're doing. And mm-hmm. just kind of, like, make a good show out of, like, doing a speedrun. Like, they had a guy who was uh, speedrunning Halo, the first Halo game. And uh, he was trying to go as fast as he could, but at sometimes at some points he would still take the time to, to, take the time to like, stop what he was doing and kind of show an extra trick over here and explain what he's doing over here. And so it wasn't just, like, he was just, like, quietly just, like, playing through the game fast as he can. And you're just kind of, mm-hmm. like, just watching a guy playing video games. But he was explaining kind of, like, how the game was constructed and how, like... Like if he if he like were to, were to like jump through a wall that would teleport him from one stage to another, he would explain huh. exactly what's happening. Yeah, and even the technical explanations are still kind of over my head, but it was still just interesting to see him, see him actually kind of like instruct people watching mm-hmm. as to what he was doing, which was really yeah. Nice. Have a have a dialogue in addition. to Yeah, and so they had a couple guys like that. So that that was, that was the real highlights. And they had a guy who was like playing Mario sixty four was kind of the same thing where he was like really much like okay, so this is this is good and this is a fun trick you can do over here for people playing at home if you want ever like maybe you're not a speed runner but like if you'd mm-hmm. like to do like a little trick like I do like the pros do mm-hmm. go over here and jump through this thing and this will do this will do that and stuff. The only real bad guy. Yeah. Was, um, there's this dude I was, like, drawing, and I just had this, like, the, the, the Summer Games Done Quick stuff was on the TV, and it was kind of quiet, but I could hear this, like, weird giggling and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. It was this guy called Blue Glass. Okay. Everyone goes by their, like, you know, Twitch oh, handles. Oh, sure, yeah. It's this guy called Blue Glass who was playing Echo the Dolphin on the, on the, was it the Genesis? Mm-hmm. I think it was the Genesis yeah. version. Uh, just, like, giggling, and he had this voice, like, imagine me, but, like, ten times where I'm like, just like we're giggling and just kind of like uh-huh. he's almost like a character from like king of kong where he's like completely socially fucked up and kind of just a weirdo he's kind of a balding guy with glasses uh just kind of like yeah. and the worst thing is that he would show up in the audience for other people's speed runs, <laughs> and you would just hear him giggle and <laughs> giggling and cackling and he wouldn't have a mic but he'd be yelling things yeah. at, the, at, at the guy running playing the game and stuff like that and it was just, you know what, actually, aside from that, the actual worst thing was, 
uh, yesterday morning uh, during a Pokemon speed run, some lady showed up in the background wearing a, a t-shirt with like super deep, like six inches of cleavage. Mm-hmm. And that was enough just to set the whole Twitch chat on fire where oh, everyone was, she has all been according to you see her yeah but just by virtue of the fact that you can see but six inches of cleavage yeah. was just like the twitch chat which is almost oh, up the milky titties uh. just like which is funny because really the rest of the time the twitch chat was actually reasonably well behaved yeah but the moment you get tits involved just uh-huh. things just broke the fuck down mm-hmm. so but and that's what i loved about watching the twitch stream um for <laughs> the new york gamers choice awards where um wait what the New York Gamers Choice Awards or something like that. Yeah, it was a games journalist award, like game journalist choice yeah. awards and all like that. But anyway, Gone Home was nominated for something, best story or something. Yeah. And my friend Kate Craig went and accepted it. She was the environmental artist. Um, she was brought about halfway through the game production to be the environmental artist. And when she accepted, the first thing she said was, um, "Dad, if you're, I know you're watching this. Please close the chat window right <laughs> okay, now." Yeah. And then immediately thereafter. <laughs> The comment came, and I was like, God damn it, people. There's no need to, like, prove her right. Aww. Woof. And anyway, I saw that, what's his face? He left, and now he's got his own studio. Yaman. Yeah, yeah Yaman yeah. is living down, who is the programmer for Fulbright, uh, is living down in San Francisco now. And, uh, well, he was local here in Portland, right? That he was, was the whole idea. Portland. They were living in the same house, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he liked Portland, but Portland was not his home. Yeah. So. Well, so Steve Gannon went, went out and bought, like, a golden mansion with all that... That's true. Gone, well, that all that $20 go, gone home money that he <laughs> That's got. That's exactly what happened, Bill. Um, uh, yeah, Yanaman's now down in New York starting Dimbulb Games. That's a great name. <laughs> Has he announced, like, what his first game is? No. Anything or he's, just, he's, yeah. he's just working. He's just staffing up. Yep. Well, he, it's it's Yanaman. <laughs> it's just Yanaman working, so. <laughs> but yeah, I love that guy. No, Much that's well. cool. Uh, so yeah, that was Summer Games Done Quick. Uh, Star Trek's uh, Next Generation Season 6 came out on Blu-ray this week. Ooh! I, which I, which I, I only had time to watch, like, six episodes <laughs> of, because <laughs> I was too busy watching. Yeah. This is a fat guy in the basement. I was too busy watching Summer Games Too Quick. Yeah. To, to watch my Star Treks. Yeah. So I have nothing to say about my Star Trek on my podcast that only three people listen to. I cannot think of a sentence less <laughs> interesting to me than Star Trek The Next Generation Season 6 on Blu-ray. <laughs> exactly. Hey, well, if you ever get bored and you want to dip your toe in Star Trek The Next never. Generation, and for some reason you don't I, have Netflix. I watched Star Trek The Next Generation in my youth. In fact, I, I associate uh, this yeah. sound with uh, going to bed. Yeah, you mentioned that the, I don't, well, you've mentioned that to me before. I don't know if you've ever mentioned that on yeah. the podcast. Yeah, the, the sound of the theme song. It makes yep. you, yeah. Yep. What time was your bedtime? Like 7 p.m.? Because it's not like Star Trek The Next Generation is ever like a late night TV show. You cannot. I, Bill, what was your bedtime when you were eight years I old? Think I <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, one thing I did do while I was in Canada um, was I watched the movie Fargo. I've oh, never the movie. seen I thought, Fargo. I saw before. this in the show notes. Well, because I know that it's a TV show. I, I was watching like, the. The movie. Well, we were we were just fucking around. We were like, well, let's watch something, and the conversations came up. Like, I had never seen Fargo, so I saw Fargo. What a fucking great movie! It's one of my favorite Coen Brothers. That movies. may be one yeah. of my favorite movies of all time. It's good, but I can. That's also kind of fucked up and sad and depressing. Well, which see, is like no. half the Coen Brothers. Movies. Well, yes, but no, but, that's it's right up my alley. Which what I really I just watched the Hudsucker Proxy. Like, oh that, man, I can, for last. I can that's another watching that. Yeah, but uh, the thing about Fargo that I really liked was that it was a crime movie about incompetent criminals. An incredibly competent cop who ha- where the crime was not all consuming to her life. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. so often in crime fiction, and even in like per- 
police procedurals or TV shows where it's like all these people's lives are caught up in the crime because very clearly the storytellers think that that's the most compelling way to approach it is that if you have, you know, like they need to be consumed by this yeah. stuff. But, you know, she's just really competent and can handle it. Well, that's, and, that, that's uh, kind of like one of the Coen brothers are big thing is kind of like having these kind of like, like Chekhov's gun elements to their story sometimes where like the fact that she's pregnant you think that's why make her pregnant unless that's gonna be part yeah. of the plot no she's just pregnant just because she's a pregnant cop but it's not like yeah yeah it's almost like a slice of excerpt from like real life yeah where it's like something shit happens like sometimes yeah. sometimes someone sneezes doesn't yeah. mean they have aids they just sneeze well i thought that was a gr- very you know, indicative like, of the fact that she has more on her mind and more yeah, in she's her got life, life yeah. than just this she's got her husband her little husband who fakes the dust <laughs> I, it was amazing. It was a really good movie. Man, my favorite movie, my favorite moment in that movie. Well, there's actually a whole bunch of them, but like I like when she goes interviews like the weird teens, yeah, two teen girls. <laughs> and when she goes and visits her old friend like Carrie Yuckanawa, yeah, and he like yeah. breaks down with her. Yeah, like, that's that's man. That movie is great. That's it's a whole bunch of one of my. Fa- I love quiet, sad little well, crime movies, and it's also a good slice of kind of like quasi rural life. That's yeah. not. It's. You can almost argue that it is kind of making fun of that a little bit, but it's not making fun... Like, this is my big problem with David Lynch movies, is sometimes he'll have... So, sometimes, so some of his movies will take place in, like, like like small-town America. Sure. And it's almost, like, takes a very condescending view of, like... Sure. Like, how small-minded and fucked up these, like, right. communities are. Whereas, like, the Coen brothers, they do a lot of movies that take place in small towns and stuff like that, but it's always... Like the characters, uh, the characters tend to be kind of ridiculous and, and, and goofy, but it's never like seem to be in a kind of a mean spirit. Exactly. Like, talking down yeah. Kind of way. Yeah. They're not punching down. Yeah. They're just oh, because I I think they came from Minnesota. Yeah. So like it's it's they're kind of like making fun of like a little bit of like these people they grew up with and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's not like mean spirited. It's more no. it's more a little bit of a parody in there, but it's, it's like, not quite. They're yeah. caricatures, but they it's, feel yeah, like car- caricatures. Yeah. They feel like caricatures of real people. Though. It's no more cruel than a caricature at like a Sunday carnival where it's gonna be like. <laughs> Like, I got a big head and I'm driving a car. <laughs> yeah. Or as like... But what I liked about it was that it was just showing that these people have lives yeah. and like full and happy lives without, you know, like... Like even little things like there's the... Oh, what is he? A bartender who who hears the guy going like, "Oh, I'm out by the lake." And he, yeah, so, exactly. And like, yeah. and they come, the cop comes and interviews him, and he's just like, he's just shoveling in his snow, yeah, and you know, talking about his wife, and he's like, he's it. it I love how incidental the crime is to the lives of the people. In the yeah, movie. exactly. Yeah, I really no, like so that. Movie's that. a great thin slice of like life. Yeah, yeah. I I was really impressed by it. I've I never. Do, seen but it I do before. like how creepy what's his face is. Not Steve Buscemi. Oh yeah, blonde like guy. How special Steve Buscemi is though. He's constantly yelling at the other guy. And the other guy to get laid. That's the whole movie is Steve Buscemi trying to get laid. Have you heard that thing about the Japanese lady who came from America from Japan and actually died because she was trying to find the 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 buried treasure from that movie? Oh yeah. Because the movie starts off with this thing saying this is a true story. We've changed some of the names, but this all actually happened. And so somebody, some lady in Japan, supposedly, supposedly, who knows how much of this is true? Some like secretary from Japan saw mm-hmm. that, decided, okay, well, shit, I'm that I I I have debts and stuff. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna fly to Minnesota and find where that like buried money is hidden. All I have to do is find that like little bit of snow. Yeah. With, like little like little with ice the... ice ice. <laughs> yeah, ice, ice scraper on top. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so supposedly she died because she was wandering around in the, you know, dress of Minnesota trying to find that shit. Oh, that's too funny. So, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. Fargo was really good. Yeah, now I want to watch the TV show to see how... Yeah, I kind of wonder how, like, you know, I thought that was going to be an ongoing series, but it sounds like it's just a mini-series, too. Yeah. So it's only eight episodes, but I'm kind of curious to see. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. I have the first couple episodes. 
if you want if you want to just kind of let me run your internet oh i was gonna go the other thing about fargo too is how much it's uh, what's his face character the, the main guy who hires... Oh, William H. Macy or... Yeah, I was kind of surprised how kind of sympathetic I was towards him, despite him being a horrible person. Well, he's... Like, when he always, like, when he gets caught, like, when he's, like, at his little used car salesman yeah. thing, and he's about to get busted, yeah. and, like, part of me is like, eh, I feel bad for him no, the same See, he's like, such a fucker. I know. He's a fucker who's doubled down on, like, and the amount of money that he needs. Yeah. One thing that I like about this movie is that it doesn't it doesn't hit you over the head with anything. Yeah. I li- but it also provides you with enough information that it's all there. They're just not going to spell out for you. Like, the fact that when he meets Steve Buscemi and Blondie, um, he's like, yeah, so you're going to get, we're going to ask for 80000 and you're going to get forty. And then later Steve Buscemi's like, no, 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 I want all eighty. And William H. Macy's like, oh, you're killing me here, but okay. And then you find out that he's getting $750,000. That that is just a drop in this bastard's bucket. But that he needs that money because of his dumb shit, small, like, that he's just, like, such a small-timer criminal, and yet who is an enormous amount of debt. Yeah. Like, this odious little fuck. And got me wanting to watch that again now, too. It's on Netflix, my friend. It was very, and it was such a beautiful movie. Like, the soundtrack was great. I was really enjoyed it. Though what's funny is that between spending time in small town Canada and watching Fargo I couldn't help it by the time I came back I was just I had the like a, a weird a, like yeah. kind of like almost sounds like I'm making fun kind of accent picking up and I didn't mean well, to or anything like, a little but... bit of, like I can see if you spend a lot of time in Texas you might come out with oh hey, girl well that's the thing yeah. I'm I unconsciously pick up accents I'm like I'm like Madonna who goes to London and comes back with a British accent I'm that asshole <laughs> hey Bill tell me about Shovel Knight uh, Shovel Knight is a new good game that came out for the Wii U and the 3DS it's uh-huh. trying to be like an old 8-bit Nintendo game yeah it's just like that except it's fun it's got good animation it costs $15, which seems a little steep, but it's good. <laughs> the end. I, I'm, I'm already sick of hearing about it because everyone, all the game journals on Twitter and, and like all the different websites and stuff this week were just like, oh my god, Shovel Knight, you must play it. Right. It's a good game! Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. And what's really impressive is, yeah, well, there's a whole subgenre of indie games that are like, you know, they go for the pixel art and they sure. try, to, like, yeah. try to make games that are essentially like, you know, homages to the old. Right. The but Nintendo games. This game does a really good job of that. Um, they, 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 there was actually a really interesting article that went online this week about uh, written by these guys talking about how they were specifically trying to uh, uh, pay tribute to uh, just aesthetically, like in terms mm-hmm. of the artwork, uh, old uh, NES art, in terms of like the resolution, the size of the right. pixels, even the color uh, palettes. And they were talking about how we tried to. Um, keep our color, color palette as much as like as it was if we were actually designing this game for the Ape and Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But they pointed out there was a couple things in there like where they had to kind of make up colors that didn't exist on sure. this console. Like there was a tan color because they wanted a character who had like a sheepskin coat. And specifically, there's color brown that does not exist in Ape and Nintendo games. Yeah, they, we need. They were like, we need to create a couple extra. Sh- uh, sh- shades of brown because we want like different ethnicity characters yeah. in the game yeah you're like the way it is in the game like if you want a, like like a flesh toned character in it in the Ape at Nintendo game you're pretty much have to choose between yellow and like bright beige white yeah so like and like like there's really no browns and so they actually had to invent a couple like earth tone colors just for that yeah and so there's just interesting stuff like that but yeah, no, it's a side-scrolling game mm-hmm. uh, where you're just, yeah, your little knight with a shovel mm-hmm. who just goes off to save the world. Oh, you're uh, you're best friends with your shield knight. Uh-huh. 
Uh, you're Shovel Knight, and your best friend is a lady called Shield Knight, and she yeah. gets a. It's a little lame because she gets abducted. Sure. Who knows? Maybe she sets herself free at the end. Yeah. Because it's a little lame that like she's supposed to be a super badass knight, but yeah. she gets abducted while yeah. she's set free. You're, so you're trying to rescue her from the bad guys. Yeah. But there's like little towns you visit and stuff, and there was one great thing where I went to go visit a town last night, and there's lots of great little animation. Animation, everything is much better than the old eight bit NES sure. games. Sure. Uh, but. Uh, you go down to this like little basement where like these people are hanging out by these casks, like this wine cellar. Mm-hmm. And this one lady asks if you want to see a dance, and you say yes. And she does this whole like five minute long Russian dance where she's done yeah. all these different dance moves and stuff <laughs> like that. And there's just like lots of great bits of 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 like that yeah, little character stuff. Yeah. The town you visit has a whole bunch of. It's just like half the half the townsfolk are like ladies, like lady pirates, lady fishermen, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You might actually be vaguely interested in at least seeing this game just to nope. see. Some great character designs. Sure, yeah. yeah. I will look at Tumblr posts about Shovel Knight, but it is an old school eight bit yeah. Nintendo game. That's it's normally like two hours into the game. Even I've got my ass kicked a couple times. Yeah. It's, it's it's pretty rough. It's yeah. like a super hardcore side scrolling. Like sure, jump yeah. and smash things with a shovel game. Yeah, yeah. You don't have any projectiles because you just have a shovel. So it's right, not like you're yeah. Trying a gun, but it is like you're just whacking things. It's yeah, funny. So. Oh, that's adorable. Oh, but yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's a good time. I'm okay. glad you're enjoying it because meanwhile, I've been playing a game that should be right up my alley and is the worst. What's that? Playing Murdered Soul Suspect. Oh, you've been playing that for weeks now. Well, I finally about it. I, I finally finished stop. it. Well, the thing is, is that I wanted to finish it, and I because fi- I'm like, well, I want to see where they're going with it. And I finally did last night, and oh, it was the worst. I was trying to figure out how this game got. Wait, what are you playing this on? Uh, PS4. Okay. Uh, I was trying to figure out how it got made, and it, it occurred to me, it was kind of the math in my head, I'm like, well, this is very much so, hey, Heavy Rain did well, let's make Heavy Rain. Yeah. And, um... Is this, like, a cheapy version of that? Uh, like, is it made well, by anyone you know or care about? It's made by Airtight Games. They did that Quantum Conundrum game and Dark Void, and they're people who had worked on Crimson Skies. Oh, really? So, I'm like, I was in... And also, it's a, it's really a, just an old-school adventure game. It yeah, feels like... Know, yeah. It feels like a game that came out in 2002 that was just, like, up and like mm-hmm. that's really what it feels like to me, and it's just it sounds like from the writing that's like like oh yeah, the writing is rough. Oh man, I, playing it made me realize that how much that adventure games it's not so much about what you do or even the story as much as it is about characters and place. And how, you know, good characters and a good sense of place make up for a lot. Like, Heavy Rain was not a good game. Yeah. But it had some great tone, and it really captured some really great mood that made it all worth it. Whereas this game is just relentlessly charmless, mm-hmm. and without any heart whatsoever. And it's just... The, so, what, it's like a narrative-driven, like, not role-playing game, but, like, decision-based it's a, like, mystery the game? The game opens with, you have been murdered, and you're solving your murder. Which is a great premise. I like oh, that great. premise. A lot of games have already done that. Though. Sure, That's but I mean, I like but that. It, yeah, you could wring interesting stuff out of that. Yeah. And uh, but what kills me is that it's a murder mystery with little to no suspects. So there's like one guy who is so cartoonishly obviously the killer. They're like, well, it's not what's his butt. And then I was just looking at Foley, and I'm like, I can figure out who actually did it just by the fact that there are really only three named characters in this game. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I was able to figure it out like as soon as like, well, it's not this guy. There was one twist that I did not get that in hindsight I really should have gotten. But uh, Turns out that like, the character you play as, he actually like, fell on a corkscrew. Like, exactly. He's like opening a bottle of wine that's he well, actually killed himself. So the gameplay, it, what's really annoying is that 
the we were talking a little bit about Valiant Hearts before we um, started broadcasting. We'll talk about it a little more in a minute. Yeah. But ultimately, Bill's issue is that the, he feels like the puzzles are, can be solved Ill, are not logical. That it's all about reconstructing what the game designer wants you to do as opposed to what you can do in other ways you could solve it. Yeah. Never play Murdered Soul Suspect. Because Murdered Soul Suspect, every single puzzle is not a chance to use your intelligence to solve a mystery as much as it is you desperately trying to figure out what the game designer wanted you to yeah, do. Yeah, which that's the ancient curse of uh, adventure oh, games. You know. It's the worst. I have never played one that is so transparent because with the, with any sort mm. of mystery, the, the thing they do is that you'll encounter some sort of crime and you'll see this floating question that you have to answer. It's like, so where, where did the killer go after this? And so you comb through the environment and you gather clues. It'll tell the screen will tell you how many clues you've gathered and then at any point you can attempt to answer the question depending on how many clues you uh, using the clues that you've gathered so um but there will be like let's say there are 12 clues at a site there will be some that are obviously not not related they're yeah. just incidental they're just things killer, yeah. but there will be a number of them that you could deduce the answer from so but if you select them that's not what the game designer wanted you to select so it's wrong and it's just so frustrating. It's just like it's a really the the design is kind of the so the game design is kind of counterintuitive. The story is really terrible. Mm -hmm. This is a world that consists you of pay characters. For this game or like, I paid sixty dollars for it. And Oof. the thing is is that I like adventure games and I've played lots of bad adventure games. Yeah. And this one just had nothing to it that it was redeemable. It was just a mediocre adventure game with a mediocre story. What the more I thought about it, the more I was really agitated that the protagonist is a boring, bland character, and you only meet other people in relation to their interest in you or their their relationship to the murder. And like, it, there's a thing you can do in this game where you can possess people and read their thoughts, and they're invariably only thinking about the murder. Yeah. Like, and it, it it's such a shallow world. And what hit home the most for me is that you, what's supposed to be motivating you during the game is that when you die, your wife died tragically two years before. And you're trying to, she sees you briefly and she's like, I need you to get out of purgatory and come to heaven with me. And, uh, and so we can be together forever. And so I'm a big hopeless romantic and I should totally feel like I want to bring together these lovers. Yeah. But she is such a boringly designed character. Like she looks like any other character in the world. Her voice is totally unmemorable. And then during the game, you randomly find these bits of her diary there are 38 diary entries. The name of this objective is Julia's Story. Find these 38 collectibles to unlock Julia's story. Every single one of these 38 diary entries is about you. Is about the protagonist. Is it's it like, like about how she like met you and like yeah. your life together. Yes, or, but it's like, all just about like your contribution to her life. But it's never just like I bought groceries today. He so has I... this tattoo of a dollar sign on fire. I found out it was to commemorate his first crime. He got a tattoo for us. It's two roses over his heart. That's like and it's just the worst. Like he asked me to marry him. I couldn't quite say yes. I said yes. You could argue it's a time and budget thing that they don't have enough time and budget to like come up with entries and stuff like that that have that don't don't have anything to do with you because there are thirty eight. But of that's them. what I'm saying. Thirty eight. You could just easily, you could actually you could actually you could use create them to flesh a well rounded out the world. life. Yeah, Not exactly, even that. Yeah. Like just flesh out the world. But it takes place in one, Salem. One person's life, especially yeah. if it's supposed to be your significant other. The Ugh. whole reason you're playing this game. Like, those 38 entries, you could create, like, an interesting person within those th that text. Yeah. But the fact that they wasted it just by, like, 
Oh. Yeah, talking about your character and, and not even how great your character is, though, but it's just talking about, like, you, 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 you. Which it's is, all, like, shows basically how this place the game creators are in just assuming that all you want to hear about is that, yeah, your wife's relationship with you and they don't have enough faith that, like, they could use a lighter touch in that. Yeah. And even then, it's, like, all these 38 entries, they're, like, describing you and describing moments in the relationship, but there's no depth to those moments and there's no depth to the relationship. Are are all the moments pretty generic? There's no, no, like, personality? It's just, like, he got a tattoo. And And they can all be boiled down to basically, like, he's so enigmatic and yet I like and drawn to him. Oh, really? That's what they all are. And so it's like, and it's like you can't really have a character oh, telling God. you unendingly how enigmatic your this character is and how like oh he's so. I wonder if they did that because they, they you not you can't be you can't guarantee who's going to be playing your game so they want to say like he's this person is mysterious but or I wonder if they genuinely think that like your character being enigmatic even to his own wife is cool I, like you he, think that's it's totally a case of the cools like this yeah, guy is man. like he's got his cigarette and his fedora and he's got full sleeve tattoos and like he's a recovering criminal is now a cop oh, really? like, yeah he lived a life of crime when he was a little boy you learn from one of these entries that oh, when he geez. did his first crime his father gave him a tattoo that the flame dollar sign to punish him but also it's clear that his dad was proud and I'm just like what the fuck so this game is so like dumb and the crime is so simplistic and obvious it takes place in Salem and you meet one girl young young woman who was killed Salem Canada because yes, they love course. witches there. <laughs> they so love witches their... so much. <laughs> exactly. They have their own witch festival every June. It's set in, in Salem, Massachusetts, and there's this murderer, and he mur- murders young women, and he hung one, he set one on fire, he drowned one, tied her to a chair, and I'm immediately like, well, he's replicating like how they killed witches. Yeah. He's replicating the Salem witch trials for whatever reason. And I'm like, and, I, and it does not, this is not a very smart game, and it's so obvious, but it takes the cop so long to figure that out. And then <laughs> the final, uh, it's, to be, I've played it over the course of a couple of weeks. So. No, it sounds like it might be like a good like 30 hour It's not. It's fest. probably maybe like 10 hours. Uh, but the thing is, is that like you finally, the, the mystery, ha- there's so many elements of the game that are hammered over the head and are not subtle. When finally you find out the murderer her motivation is so vague and so I don't really un- I still don't really understand why well, she wanted she to be a witch murder. I don't really understand okay fuck none of you are gonna play this game yeah, exactly yeah when you die the first person you meet in the afterlife who's kind of the tutorial character who tells you what to do is this young girl puritanical girl and she, you find all throughout the town, one of the dumb collectibles in the game are these drawings she's done on walls depicting the history of the town. And finally, you discover that she was the, she was an accuser during the Salem witch trials. That lot that um, people who were known mediums who could like that you meet a girl in the game who can talk to you. That uh, people who are known mediums have been dying mysteriously over the past you know, like two hundred years in Salem. Yeah. And it turns out that this little girl, Abigail, what, uh, back in the Salem Witch Trial days, had accused all these young women of being witches and then was herself killed for being a witch. And so she says, I'm going to stop all the witches. I'm going to kill them all. 
even throughout time, I will continue doing this. Okay. And the the killer is called the bell the bell killer because it leaves this symbol that's like a bell, a ringing bell. And she's like, "This will be my mark." And she draws it in the sand. I'm like, "Why the fuck is it a bell? Like, there was no personal meaning or anything. It's just that she drew it in the sand." The guy probably just thought the bell. One day he was like probably taking a shit and he just thought the bell murder. It just sounds interesting. It's like, oh yes, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's just like it's arbitrary. Then, it's a duh. And there's like a point where where the the dude tells her he's like, oh. "Why the fuck?" She's like, I will kill everyone who has a contract with demons and uses. Is she like... dressed like a little Quaker Oats person yeah. too? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And <laughs> the, in, in Ronan, the protagonist says, "Don't you think this is a little hypocritical because you are a ghost from beyond, <laughs> manipulating people so that you can kill people who talk to ghosts from beyond?" And basically, she's like, "Whatever." It keeps on. So it turns out that she there are three named male characters in the game. Yeah, there's you. There's your brother-in-law, Rex, who's the hunky cop, who's actually voiced by your brother cop from Infamous Second Son, which I thought was great. And then there's this cop, Baxter, who's so cartoonishly, Baxter hates Ronan, and he is suspicious of the psychic, and like, blah, 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 and is so transparently, like, the the red herring. I'm like, fuck this guy. Well, it turns out that Abigail possesses men of power and uses them to kill people that she thinks are that, that are no mediums they're all twisted she's done through this time even when the ones they're revealed are just so stupid that you're like that's not even interesting in a way well so yeah. the answer as soon as i've thought about it i'm like well it's obviously not baxter so it has to be rex which is dumb because there's no reason for it to be exactly. rex but, but it has like, who, to be him process of uh, of elimination and like know. when they're only when they're only two suspects and one of them is obviously it then it's got to be the one who's well this not... game sounds like shitty enough they could have come up with like a completely which is, brand new well, that was my thing say, i'm like why i don't think this game would be so shitty i was to say it's the janitor who we haven't met until now but it's just like i would have preferred that but it turns out to be rex well it turns out that it's actually abigail possessing she it was baxter because she possessed baxter she possessed rex and she possessed you rodent ah you killed the woman in the chair in the river yeah that was what i didn't see coming i was like oh i was the killer (laughs) Obviously, but at the same time, it's like fuck you because, like, the one thing is like at, one, at some point one of the one of the girls is like the killer had blue eyes. It's like Rex doesn't have blue eyes. It's because I possess many men. I'm just like, oh, this fucking game, fucking game, how charmless. Did you, how did you hear about this game? Just well, general channels. You just found out it was kind of like an art, like like an adventure game. So you're just like, oh, yeah, I blindly. heard about it a while ago. I yeah. like dumb adventure games. I've played a lot of bad adventure Aww. games. And there's one element that I liked, which was that you were shot. You died by being shot. And so you have all these bullet holes on you that are glowing red. And I'm like, I really love insane iconography when there are visible signs of the saint's yeah. death as part of their um, uh, canonization. And I was like, oh, that would be rad to have a world where you're wandering through a world of the dead. And maybe there's like someone walking around with their head under their arm and all that sort of yeah, shit. I'm totally like, that yeah. could be a cool art direction thing. Well, despite the fact that you're in Salem fucking Massachusetts with, like, hundreds of years of history, the majority of the ghosts that you meet are just people who've died within the last ten years. And the reason why is that they reuse the regular models, just with people walking around the town, as ghosts. They just make them transparent and black and white, and boom, it's a ghost. And you only meet one other ghost with a visible sign of death. And it's a cool one. It's someone who was burned to death. Mm -hmm. So she's half a flame. It's very neatly done. But I'm just like, fucking what a waste. What a waste. This game would have been fine if the protagonist was interesting. 
Like, mm-hmm. really. Everything else would have been forgivable. But when the characters decipher like that, yeah, all the characters well, are why just Why are you bland. bothering to play your, See, that's like, the thing. The story. And it made me realize how much adventure games, because most yeah. adventure games, the gameplay is not necessarily pleasurable per se, or even terribly interesting. And, like, but it's... Which I love the gameplay in adventure games, don't get me wrong, but that it's all just a conduit to serve you these characters and these environments. And when you have a game that doesn't even have that, just like, what is well, this? On the flip side, what do you think about Valiant Hearts? I feel very conflicted about Valiant Hearts. Not in the way that you do. Um, I can see for you being more of a tonal thing, like turning that's more, where I more into a fucking puzzle game. Well, so I'm a big, big sentimental nerd for World War One, and um, well, you know, you met your first wife there, of course, in the war, in the trenches, yeah. Uh, but no, I'm big. Like, nothing makes me cry more than World War One. I. I love, I love that time in history. I love, I, I'm fat. Love is weird, but I, it's fascinating the shift in culture. With, yeah. yeah, and like the way that all these different cultures came together and this yeah, innocence you know, all the shit. Situations, Titanic yeah. and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, Challenger exactly. accident where it's just like, yeah, yeah there's this dramatic impulse there that you... It's, it's this fascinating this, moment in time. Reason, yeah, know. and also I really like like all the uniforms from the time, the music of the time. Like, it is an era that fascinates me. And uh, as much as it fascinates me, I'm learning a lot about the history of the time from this game because mm-hmm. this game was made in partnership with um, a hundred year... Uh, an organization that's doing education on the 100th year anniversary of the war. Yeah, which uh, you only see the first time in the game where uh, you pull up a menu and you actually realize that you're going to get these history lessons from yeah. the game. And so every like little environment you're in... With a colorized picture. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have off to the side, like, a French, like, 100th century of of war. Yeah. Along with, like, a logo of some documentary, too, that someone else is producing about World War One. And then the art direction. I mean, the art is just... I love it, because it's kind of like... Um, I can't remember his name. There's this one modern cartoonist who did... Um, he's done some Godzilla books, and he did a comic called Paris for Top Shelf. That's a really great little comic. Mm-hmm. But he has... He kind of draws these kind of big like kind of stocky big fisted characters and um it looks like him with kind of uh, an edward gory mixed together in a blender i wish that actually uh, like made a bigger deal about it. whoever designed like the the the, the visuals for this game. yeah so whoever like it's very unique and very cool it's almost yeah. like a triple to belleville kind of like yeah very kind of euro but not like two euro euro comics where it's kind of off-putting but it's uh, um it's um it reminds me of a mashup of simon gain who did this great comic called paris with andy watson for oni press okay and some other really great stuff. And, uh, yeah, Edward Gorey. So, but it's just, I, I love the art direction of the game. But, yeah, it's strange that they don't, uh, for it being such a focus of the game, like, it's so front and center. It is the game, and the look of it is so definitive what it was. They don't seem to put a lot of, um, they don't, there's not a real clear name associated with yeah. it. Because even the Raymond games, you have Michelle and Cell out there being like, mm-hmm. you know, not that he draws all these games and stuff like that. But. I guess you could argue that they did the same thing with Child of Light. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, uh, uh, people have pointed out though, uh, Shovel Knight does have rhyming meter that is way better. <laughs> fake eight bit Nintendo game, yeah, has better rhyming couplets than Goddamn Child of Light. They yeah. actually, yeah. yeah. Anyway, oh man, uh, have you got it back to play any more Child of Light? Did you beat Child of Light? I beat Child of Light. Oh, okay, yeah. I love that game. I, w- I want to beat that Child of Light. <laughs> exactly. Smack him upside the head. Yeah. Uh, there's some terrible couplets in. Uh, Fucking murdered soul suspects. Yeah. Terrible couplets. I'm trying to figure out who wrote Lesson them. Learned, don't put couplets in your goddamn shit. Just, your Shakespeare scholar just don't do like, it. Yeah, or on, if you're going to have a game with poetry, maybe hire a poet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> say yeah. it. But anyway, uh, um, so uh, Valiant Hearts is interesting because I really love the art direction. I like puzzle games and I cut my teeth on adventure games, this sort of thing. But I love World War One, and I feel kind of weird about 
ha- presenting something that as as kind of like a, in a very steeped historical context, and then having like cartoonish aspects of it. Like yeah. you haven't gotten very far into it, but there's a cartoonish Baron villain. Really? Yeah. And I thought this was gonna be even even a little bit I played worth. You know, I think it's 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 hand drawn. It's a little cartoony. It's a little heightened. Mm-hmm. But you really? Yeah. There's like a there's cartoonish... like an Inspector Gadget villain. In his, the, the, the Baron is some, this German Baron that you're chasing after the whole game. Because I thought like if anything, it was more interesting. It rather than like a single villain that you're fighting against, it's just it's just the war. It's just the war. It's just yeah, surviving it's just the kind war. Of faceless hordes. The situation is worse than any one individual person can be. Yeah. And the thing is, is that there is that, and that they have to endure all the horrors of the war. I mean, that, in order yeah. To get, but the Baron is kind of like the. This obje- ultimate objective. It's, it's the King Koopa Bowser. Well, he brought he unites them all because the American wants to kill the Baron for reasons that we do not yet know. Uh, the Baron has Carl, who's Emil's uh, son-in-law. Yeah. Um, Did any of the characters eventually end up speaking or anything? Yeah. Because uh, what I've seen so far, like they'll, they'll express ideas and like little word balloons with pictures inside, but like that's it. They do kind of a variation. I actually like this. See, I like so much of this game. They do a variation of you know how in old like early early disc based games you would have characters be like like Nintendo They do. They kind of do that garbly gobbledygook sort of like speak, except they're speaking their languages. So they're they'll speak little fragments of French, little That's fragments cool. of German. I like that. Yeah. Like the the uh, the American guys like oh all right yeah here we go. Like, well, I like even little... at the beginning when like you're first going through your training like your little uh, CEO. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're all speaking real English, but that that's not what you're gleaning a lot of the narrative so but i i don't know well, it's I, almost like a monty python cartoon in that way where it's like, a little yeah, bit like, yeah, like, yeah. yeah but yeah that's not it's not supposed to, those little bits aren't supposed to be supporting the narrative yeah. yeah but i feel i feel kind of weird about the contrast between world war one and the experiences these characters are going through and then the kind of not not the cartoonish way it's depicted i have yeah. no objection to the art direction at all and i think it's actually the way they show some of the more nightmarish elements yeah in terms of a really marriage intuitive. of form and content it's not a bad idea it's not it's, badly designed but it's like, just the like to have see i was thrown off because i thought this this was going to be a more straightforward narrative story uh-huh. with maybe a couple Narrative things like oh, this: this person needs this thing. Go bring him over here. That's it. I didn't like like I've literally I've only literally played the first half hour. Bill's still on the first puzzle. Yeah, well, I just got past the first puzzle because uh, so uh, spoilers for Valiant Hearts. The first thing you do is you're this guy. You're this French guy who's conscripted into the French army. Yeah, and uh, you you leave basic training and you're sent off to Paris and uh, you arrive at the train station and you're mm. with all these other soldiers and you find this. Uh, this other guy, who's the American guy, being picked on by a bunch of French soldiers, and you're trying to help him out. And so you're uh, in the train station trying to figure out how to help this guy, to mm-hmm. try to drive away all these uh, these French troops from fucking with him. And so the only thing they give you, the only thing they, they, they direct you towards is a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, this is the only thing they give you to figure out how to, like, um, to drive away these dudes. And so at first I thought, okay, well, do I have to give wine to the French troops that are fucking with this guy just to, mm-hmm. like, you know, distract them or send them away? That doesn't work throw the bottle of wine at either the troops or the guy, that doesn't work. Uh, eventually, eventually I realized that I could throw the bottle of wine at a uh, bell on top of the train. Mm-hmm. And that works. You go ding, ding, but everyone kind of stops for a moment, but they go back to whatever they're doing. And I could not figure out what the fuck you're supposed to do with this bottle of wine. It turns out, like, you have to go the complete opposite direction. Go talk mm-hmm. to 
a completely different French uh, 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 commanding officer, give him the wine, and it kind of turns into this thing where if you give him the wine, he walks, he, he clears a path, and there's a bunch of French musicians, and if you, like, instruct them on how to play this piece of music, they'll all start playing a song, and that'll get everyone dancing, mm -hmm. and that'll make clear the path for you to, like, get onto a ladder on top of the train, to, like, walk towards the beginning, uh, towards the train engine, mm -hmm. to finally ring that bell, mm -hmm. and it's just, like, it would have been much more straightforward if there was a little bit of a puzzle thing, but, like, I had to do this whole big, kind of, like, this, this mm -hmm. whole big adventure kind of, uh... like, Puzzle Goldberg thing, sort of thing, just yeah. to meet this guy. Yeah, and it was completely distracting from the atmosphere of me just being see, coming yeah. off from the war and like yeah. I see this guy and want to help him, and it suddenly turns into this. The video game part is getting in the way of me enjoying this video game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this kind of thing where I think this uh, Valiant Hearts. Uh, granted, I'm saying this after literally only playing half an hour. I would have preferred it to be more of an interactive museum, World mm -hmm. War One kind of museum, rather than. A just a video game that just has a World War One theme, which I seems think, to be kind of what it is right now. I think you had wanted it to be more like The Walking Dead, and it's more like The Cave. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're a little more like character and narrative driven focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you won't you won't have puzzles unless it directly relates to you or another person or something like mm -hmm. that. And like, this is a puzzle, but like the puzzle just goes off on such a tangent that has mm -hmm. really nothing to do with like you just trying to help this guy. Mm -hmm. It's just puzzles. You should puzzle stop sake. playing this game right now, oh, my friend. God, I it hate does not that get shit. any better. I did, I did not that's grow the up playing game. adventure game, so I'm not used to thinking this See, way. that's that's what's interesting is that you are so like are, have such trouble with that. I totally understand that, but yeah, I these were the first games I played. Yeah. So that puzzle, I didn't even think to solve that puzzle cuz I'm just like oh well here's wine and i, I i'm a sort of, adventure games have trained me so much that when you have to go right you go left first yeah. so i'm like okay well this guy needs this wine but i only have this See, color wine and i'm like, like da, da, da. yeah and that, i did not think about it because they gave me yeah. like like hey like they even have a hit tool thing where you click on the yeah. touch screen man that hit is not useful <laughs> yeah and it just says grab find a bottle of wine which i already had I already like already like i had already done what the hint suggested to and i'm still just like Okay, I'm here with these people. I've got the yeah. bottle of wine. What am I supposed to do? And yeah. so it's like, yeah, you're supposed to go off and do this. Yeah. And what especially drives me crazy is that I knew it's essentially what I had to do because I could tell that like you're supposed to interact with something on top of the uh, the train engine, right. and that's supposed to distract everyone and, and solve the situation. And that's why the first thing I did was th throw the bottle of wine at this train bell mm -hmm. to distract everybody. And technically, that's pretty much what you're supposed to do. But I didn't do it in the in the uh, in the weird tangent that the game wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. I just, just like fuck you, game. Yeah. I I knew what the solution was. It's just your solution was like more ridiculous and like completely irrational and not, mm -hmm. uh, not uh, what's it called? Well, like uh, intuitive. Mm -hmm. And it's just like man, and especially like when you're telling a somber story like this, you yeah. want intuitiveness, you want directness, yeah. you don't want like you don't want the video game shit to get in the way of. And the thing oh. is, is that I like I like puzzle games, and I like that sort of environmental puzzle stuff. I genuinely do. Yeah. And like I like this so much more than the cave because what I found frustrating about the cave was that the cave was a bunch of interconnected puzzles, and you know y you could only solve one if another had been solved, and it wasn't necessarily clear what order they had to be solved in, and it was a little too open. Yeah. Whereas this is, which arguably is a more modern sort of game trope, whereas this is more old school in that you solve a puzzle at a time. You're only ever solving one puzzle yeah, at a time. Yeah, it's much more linear and directed, but yeah. Eventually you get, later on, you get to a point where there are maybe three puzzles that you have to solve to to solve this ultimate puzzle, but you can do yeah. them in any order. See, with this game like being based linear. off the Raymond engine, 
I was hoping you would just be jumping on the heads of German soldiers. <laughs> well, that was what's interesting about ups. this, is that I'm really impressed with Ubisoft for having take, done, first to have the Rayman games that are so beautiful, and then to use that same engine to make an RPG, and then kind of a puzzle-based adventure game. Yeah. It's like, you've got to give them credit for that, but the dissonance of, of, of... Valiant Hearts is really well, it's funny because that has really. nothing to do with the engine though or anything like that. That's just no. like pure game gameplay design. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's and it's yeah. I was thinking about it because I've played a lot of tacky games set in World War Two, like a lot of tacky games set in World War Two, and enjoyed them. But I think that there's more of a precedent in our culture for making World War Two into a cartoonish. Like glorification Which it really thing. was because I mean World War Two was a travesty too, but mm-hmm. but I mean you've got things like Indiana Jones and like the Nazis are such an easy villain. The and... runs kind of like this forgotten war in terms of pop culture because yeah. it's so well. I mean it got usurped in it's in, less in, sexy. In, 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 yeah, in it's the not a sexy memory. war. But yeah, it's it's it, World War One just happened to happen right at the crux where technology had just gotten advanced enough to make killing people en masse like much easier but the war hadn't caught up with it yeah but yeah but it was still you were using really archaic trench warfare yeah and really weird like uh, battle groupings and stuff like that which meant like l- millions of people died needless- yeah. even more i mean people dying in the battlefield is always needless but like yeah. even in terms of like the, the conflict they were engaged in yeah people were dying needlessly yeah. and it's even more it's more tragic than world war Two is mm-hmm. and people just don't want to talk about it and it's just like, well it's just it's not as not sexy talk about it. it's, yeah it's just not as sexy as it's, it's you can't really romantic you can romanticize it almost literally because like there's a lot of romantic world war one stuff out there about like mm-hmm. oh my my man's gone off to the battlefield yeah. and stuff like that but yeah you don't see a lot of like hoorah adventure story yeah. being told during world war one or anything mm-hmm. like that because it was a fucked up fiasco it was yeah. a fucking on all counts. Nightmare. And there wasn't as clear villain in it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, like, it's just harder to get... And it get... got set off by this arbitrary thing of this Frank yeah. guy getting assassinated, which is yesterday, which, as we record, is, was the 100th anniversary of that happening. Yeah. And So it's... Yeah. I, I, not all the, It's complexity and it's transparent sadness is one of the reasons why I'm so interested in World War One. That's but... why you should watch the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. <laughs> yes. I remember the World War One <laughs> episodes. I do. Yeah. From my youth. No, there's a whole bunch of episodes that actually take... He's... Yeah. Oh man, I, uh, it reminds me. I need to talk about Erie, Indiana in a second. But anyway, uh, the uh, oh really? Yeah, the uh, yeah, Valiant Hearts. I really like it, but I'm struggling with it yeah. for that reason alone. Just for that, I was thinking about it. Like, if it were a fake game, like Schmroll More Schmun or something like that, because I was thinking about Valkyria Chronicles. Valkyria Chronicles is kind of a weird pseudo World War One sort of setting, but just having it be an alternate universe makes it very, very different. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a very alternate universe. I would have preferred had this been Isn't a fantasy. Like a bunch of teenagers and tanks and stuff. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's very, very it's different. It's as much Hogwarts as it is World this War is, One. This yeah. is true, but my, that is the only other game but I could think of with any point of reference. Like, makes it okay to kind of like have like. Yeah, you can be kind of riff on it goofily. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm really struggling with having a game that tells, that reminds me that one, an average of one person died a minute during certain battles of World War One, and then I have to, like, figure out how to get my dog to collect cheese. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, 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 I'm really enjoying it. I think it's worth playing, especially if you're an adventure gamer. Fuck Murdered Soul Suspect. Valiant Hearts is People really said, charming. People have said, reviewers have said the ending is supposed to be pretty good, too. Yeah. So I'll, I'll play it just to get there. But I think I might be playing through this game with a walkthrough. Yeah. Because I just, I just want to, it's going to be too I just want to ingest the friend. game, but I can give a shit. With the first puzzle, this game already yeah. told me that I don't, Shut your mouth. I'm not going to care about the gameplay. Yeah. yeah. I've, I found all the puzzles, granted, like I said, I've done puzzle game, this sort of game my whole life. 
Um, I've only struggled with one puzzle so far, but it turns out it's because the game was buggy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had to re- actually restart the level. Well, that's what made the lineup for some reason. I thought it maybe the game was broken for a yeah. minute. I almost like turned off the PlayStation 4 and like restarted. I was like, ah, fuck, I'll look up a walkthrough first. And it turns mm-hmm. out the walkthrough totally told me that I was just thinking wrong. So. Yeah. But yeah, no, Valiant Hearts, uh, $15. Uh, totally worth buying if you just want to vote with your dollars for yeah. games that are... It's completely... the sort of game that I want there to be Especially more of. Especially yeah. which is totally like, if anything, is calcifying into more of a kind of a cruddy EA let's put out the same shit over and over machine. Well, here's the thing. I'll buy Assassin's Creed every year if it means that you're also get a Child of Light and a Valiant Hearts. Yeah. Like, I'll I'll put whatever money they need in their big pocket if they still buy Unity this year? Oh, fuck yes. Okay. Foley and I were, we were talking about that yesterday. She was like, I don't know the whole thing about the late nun not having played. Guess what? No. That's been all of the Assassin's Creed games have been bullshit with no female protagonists. That's nothing new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Foley and I were talking about it last night because we were talking about, she was like, well, what other games are coming out for PS4? Because with Murdered, uh, uh, Murdered Soul Suspect and Valiant Hearts, there's been a nice period where I've been... Like, flipping between two games. Yeah. The difference being Foley's really enjoying Valiant Hearts, so I'm, I've been waiting to play it with her as much as possible. Does Whereas, she care for the puzzle stuff? Uh, she really... She, she's mostly drawing or something while I'm playing, but oh, she she's likes... Oh, she's, she's, she's enjoyed you. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. In our family, we do, like... We, we play video games yeah. rather than watch TV shows and stuff. So, she's been enjoying the Valiant Hearts show, but I actually sent her out yesterday to go have lunch with a friend so that I could finish Murder Soul Suspect, because I'm like, it's so annoying to her, and rightfully so. But uh, anyway... Yeah, um, uh, Yeah, Valiant Hearts is the sort of thing that I want there to exist more of. But anyway, so... Real quick, speaking of young Indiana Jones Chronicles, made me think of early 90s television. The other thing that I consumed while we were in Canada was we watched a shit ton of Eerie Indiana. I remember that first show premiered. I watched the pilot when it first came on. I don't remember anything about it. That's the thing. I really, really vividly remember the first episode. Like, really vividly. So it's a kid living in Erie, Indiana. Isn't Mm -hmm. like, was this before the X-Files? I think it was a it was kind of creepy peer, small town stuff, right? I think it was a peer of of the X Files because I remember I watched this show with my mom, and I remember my mom because my mom is adorable. Going, wouldn't it be great if Mulder and Scully investigated here in Indiana? Because <laughs> my mom was yeah. fanfiction.net. Um, but uh, no, it's really interesting because we mainlined the show. Uh, we found it in an internet it's only dumpster. Only like half a season, right? Well, it, they had like twenty episodes in the first season. Oh, really? Okay. What's interesting is that you, so it's this kind of anthology show about this kid who who family moves him to this town it's called Erie, Indiana. Cool freaky link. <laughs> and uh, weird shit happens in Erie. Like everything is weird. Like I live on the same street as Elvis, and there's a Sasquatch and all this shit. Yeah, I like that show because there, there's an Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah. That I went to school in for a little while. And so yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So uh. It's it's very anthology-ish in that each episode is a new little adventure. Like, the episode that I remember really vividly was the pilot, which is about um, the neighbor is this lady who sells this Tupperware called Foreverware. And she's super 50s and stylized. Yeah. And you finally realize that her sons are, that they all sleep in these giant Foreverware containers. And that's why they look so 50s, because they've been preserved since the 50s. And it feels <laughs> like a Brian Fuller show, really. Because, yeah, yeah. like, it's so stylized and then you meet the other people who are part of this Forever family and there's like a 60s hippie and there's like a 70s foxy brown lady and it's all great and uh, it's goofy oh, fun. I'm sure we reference this on the show notes because yeah, area Indiana, it's not, okay, you, it's, okay, it's yeah. well worth it but what's interesting is that we get to like the first seven episodes or eight episodes and it's really clearly th- clear that it, around that point they presented those episodes to the suits and the suits are like, this is, oh, no. this needs some sort of narrative, we need more characters 
characters than just the protagonist yeah. and his best friend. So they introduce what's his butt who played um uh uh, yeah. uh Adams uh, uh what's the name of the dad from the Adams family? What was oh, um, Gomez. Um uh Sean Aston. Sean Aston? On the Adams family? Was no, that John his name? John Aston. John Aston. Uh, 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 um, 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 Sean Aston was a hobbit. <laughs> right? No, Sean, it's just his dad. You mean oh, from the old Adams family? Yeah, the old Adams family. Yeah. I didn't know that was his dad. Oh, wait, Sean Aston, who's his dad? I know it's Aston. Well, yeah, so anyway, it's Gomez. Gomez shows up. It's like 70 year olds and he's a recurring character. Yeah. And uh, then they have this other terrible character named Dash X, who's like this white haired. What? He's is totally he, the hero. He he's the Poochie. Is he the hero so, Soul Suspect too? <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Dash, Dash X. X. Oh, that it's terrible. sounds like he's this kid who oh, wears all no. black and has a shock of white hair. He's this guy who does a lot of voice work, actually, but uh, just cracks me up. And it's like the worst. And the show becomes so much less interesting once it kind of gets starts building a mythology and shit. We couldn't even get it more than three episodes after. Oh like, my god, John Aston. Yeah, I'm John Aston. Yeah. I didn't know that was Sean. He's still father. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I Man, huh. when The Goonies came out in 1985, I became a huge Sean Aston fan because I yeah. love The Goonies and I love Mikey from The Goonies. And yeah, that's when I found out that, like, yeah, in interviews and stuff, he would talk about, like, being the son of, uh, yeah, of Gomez. That's I'm crazy. Like, yeah. So, um, anyway, Irian Yan is great and it totally scratches the same itch as, um, kind of, uh, Gravity really Falls cool. sort of shit. So you watched the whole first season, like, 22 episodes? Well, we watched, we had about 13 episodes in, but then so when the reboot. So that's 13 hours of, no, it's like a 22 episode minute. It's like a TV, oh, I it's it was a an TV show. Okay. But it's actually kind of funny and the art direction's kind of great. And, uh, apparently the dude who was the director and the creative director was a dude who did Gremlins and shit. Really? Yeah, it was some some guy who actually did um, things. Man, but, did you uh, ever see the thing? This there, there was a rumor last week. I didn't put it in the show notes because I don't think anyone else we were talking like uh, who anyone who said for you cared about that much about a uh, Star Trek. I'm sorry, I'm typing and googling at the same time. Um, so Brian Fuller. Well, there was rumors that Netflix was uh, was interested in picking up a new Star Trek series. Yeah. Uh, Those rumors have been floating around for a while. Well, and then, well, the rumor was that Brian Fuller was in talks with Netflix to, you know, create the whatever new Star Trek show that they're talking about. Yeah. And Brian Fuller actually came out on Twitter and said, this is all news to me. I haven't talked to Netflix at all. But he did actually on Twitter come out and specifically said, he said a tweet that says, I will gladly abandon Hannibal in a heartbeat. (laughs) If it means I even get the chance to do another Star Trek. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cold-blooded. Yeah. He's like, he's been thumping the the, the Hannibal drum pretty hard for the last two years for him to say... He's essentially publicly Bill. declaring, fuck all y'all. <laughs> Bill, Bill, if someone said, if you were working on, like, if you were finally almost done with your Nintendo book, a book that you've been working on for years, and someone had come up and said, Bill, do you want to do a Star War? Yeah. Would you not drop everything like a hot brick? But it's one of those, a public declaration of just like, <laughs> like online, just like, fuck mm. all you guys. You know, if a man, a fucking William Shatner comes up to me and yeah, offers me to put, uh, for him to put his finger up my butt, <laughs> I will fucking uh, murder uh, Hannibal Lecter's face. Who, man, so. <laughs> so, the the other thing we did in Canada, other than watch here in Indiana and see Shakespeare, was we played a board game. I'm not a big board game person no. at all, uh, and neither were my friends, but we played this game called Tales from the Arabian Nights, which is a fucking great board game i that is my board game now it's a story so game setup? 
the setup is that you play, you pick one of six different characters. You can play between two to six people, I think. And you are various characters from 1001 Arabian Nights. And you are going on an adventure throughout the known world. And it's a story game. It's all about the various things that happen to you. And you, you c- pick skills and abilities. Like you could be really charismatic. You could be good at speeches. Or maybe you're no weapons. You're good at ocean faring or something like that. And then depending on, uh, as you wander around the world, you, gr- you pull these encounter cards that direct you to essentially a choose your own adventure sort of thing. Uh-huh in a guidebook and the next person next to you reads these various things that happen and depending on your abilities maybe different things happen and so it's basically like a really low level role-playing game what's it called again it's called tales from the arabian nights it's like 60 bucks but it worth every penny i fucking loved it i am looking this up on amazon by the first and i really got attached to my character the first game i played sinbad uh my my skills were i was um really attractive and uh, uh, smoochy and everybody and really uh, romantically charismatic but then I got cursed I got turned into a panther man um, which negated my sexiness because no one wants to tap panther man depending on who you're talking to that would double it I became uh, I went on a quest to become the world's greatest thief and in the process was was in an I was attacked by bandits and lost an eye I got a gruesome scar on my face so you're a wide panther man and then uh, so part of my goal becoming king of the thieves was to go and find these two eyes of uh, this golden statue to pluck these two like ruby eyes that are worth millions yeah. of make me king of thieves well i only got as far as getting one when i had the opportunity to become sultan of, of baghdad so, so i just Brian fuller so i had i had my <laughs> one jewel eye i was like well i'll just keep this yeah. in my skull and so i was this like jeweled eyed sultan panther man of baghdad it was the best it's such a fun so fucking win? game like, what's like there are various there are destiny points and there are story points and before the game, you have to pick a number on the scale. Yeah. And once you you best that number for both destiny and story points, then you can go back to that. Did everyone else have a story as interesting as yours? Uh, I, I was really invested in mine, yeah. so I uh, I can only remember. We well, had a real story too, wasn't it? I mean, well, it's a random happening event. Like, it's all a bunch of er- in, in, encounters and but things. But you're really telling me actually kind of a cool story. Well, yeah. like, that was the thing. I was kind of wondering if that's kind of the same thing for everyone else. It's all these little incidents you can kind of connect, uh, knit a story out of them. So Aww. it was a lot of fun. I really had a lot of fun. It was a it was a really fun game. So it's like how the Family Guys. Riders, it, yes, right? exactly. Exactly. Like Dolphins. Yeah. 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 Um, no, it's a really fun game. I highly recommend it. Even people who do not like board games. Do you ever want to games. play it again? Oh, yeah. I'm oh, going to exactly buy a copy. how much replayability there might be Oh, in it's a shit ton. It. Because there are thousands. And it's a, this book that's all these encounters yeah. is thick as hell. And depending on... Let's say that you pull an encounter card and it says you meet a golem. And depending on how you roll, you can you can the person will read a range of maybe three entries about this encounter with a golem. Yeah. And um, maybe it then there's like a random list of adjectives. So maybe it's a friendly golem. Maybe it's a scared golem. Maybe it's an angry so golem. There's a little bit of an ad libs thing going on there. And you, mad libs thing. Yeah. You choose to either befriend the golem or fight the golem or chase after the golem or doing all these other things. So I mean, just the the thought that it must have taken to design this game and to write all these things. 
things is just fascinating. Really fascinating. Oh, man, that's fantastic. So, man, you the, guys did so much geeky shit while you are up it's, there. It was a lot of fun. I, it, the rules take a little bit to get into, but once you learn them, it's a really fun game. So uh, This is great. We just got an, uh, an email from a listener named Andy who says, The RSS feed for episode 131 links to a commentary for the Brothers Bloom. Fair enough. I'm, I'm putting that in the show notes for last week's episode. How did I break it so that no wonder that no one downloaded last week's episode because everyone did go download it was downloading Ryan Johnson's commentary. I don't even know what you did, my friend. I wonder if you accidentally uh, copied the MP3 to that, to the MP3 aspect of the WordPress. When I upload today's episode, I'll have to go back and double check. Which is a shame because I like last week's episode. Good so job, Billy. Weeks, everything breaks. Everything falls apart. <laughs> Which, hey, you know, to be fair, the commentary for Brothers Bloom is pretty fantastic. But um, uh, the only uh, last night, uh, I um, I had some. I I went to the dentist movements. this last week. This is the fun thing. After I got back from vacation, Aww. I went to the dentist. I learned that I have fourteen cavities. Very impressive. Too. Uh, and, uh, that's a rock biter. I got my first cavity filled, the most intense one. And as they were doing the drilling, they're like, there's an excellent chance this will turn into a root canal or extraction, depending on how close this yeah. all is. So I'm like, fuck. I was really stressed out about it. And then afterwards, I, my mouth hurt for some mysterious reason. So rather than my wife mooning over me and wishing that she could fix me, which she cannot, uh, we went, to, I went to take her to see a movie. We went to go see How to Train Your Dragon 2. How many? How much candy did you eat while watching? None. It turns out a whole lot of no candy and no soda either. So how how bomb were you? I know spoilers about this movie just because I went out to dinner with uh, some friends and they have a six year old who told she, you all about it. She literally came out of the theater screaming the spoiler from that movie. <laughs> um, let's put it this way: not everyone makes it out of that movie alive, and I forgot the names of all the characters. Oh sure, just like. Yeah. We went to dinner, we were walking in, she's still just like, blah, 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 is dead, blah, 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 is dead. Oh. And she was obviously very saddened by the death, she was <laughs> having to scream about it laughingly yeah. out the yeah. way. But yeah, no, it's a good movie. It's, it's a fun little movie. Half the appeal for me of How to Train Your Dragon was that I was not expecting anything from it, and then I had a good time. Mm-hmm. So How to Train Your Dragon 2 kind of, like, it, it lost the big up that uh, How to Train Your Dragon had for well, me. Well, it wasn't a big surprise, you know. uh, But uh, I, uh, it was really fun. It was a very enjoyable little movie. Um, it's a, a, a I saw an interview with the, the 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 writer and director of I don't know if he no no wasn't Chris Sanders the guy who directed the first one mm-hmm. um so I guess they got a new I guess it's yeah his, it's a different his, group I guess it's his creative partner so I guess this guy helped create the first How to Train Your Dragon but Chris mm-hmm. Sanders, Chris, I guess Chris, Chris Sanders is off uh, doing the Crudes too I guess mm-hmm. uh but so I guess his partner who helped create the first How to Train Your Dragon movie stepped into Phil's shoes he very specifically said that he patterned this movie after The Empire Strikes Back in terms of like raising stakes and I can like totally that. see that Which actually is one of the rare times where I've seen someone not just say oh one of my f- a lot of times movies directors who are big nerds like Edgar Wright and stuff will say like when they're doing a sequel will say well I really like The Empire Strikes Back we don't want to directly like ape that but we will like that kind of tone of like raising the stakes yeah. and stuff. This guy was very specifically sat down and said, "We when we sat down and watched me and my 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 team sat down and we'll start working on this movie. We sat down and we watched Empire Strikes Back, and yeah. I pointed the screen said, we're gonna make this.' Yeah, which is interesting because so watching it, I kind of felt like it was kind of Star Warsy, okay, which was yeah. kind of interesting. Well, what I what I did like about it was that the conflict was there was a con. What I liked and disliked about it was that the core conflict of it was between the three approaches you could have to your interaction with dragons. Mm-hmm. There was um, what they do you in the first in movie. Yeah. yeah. There's what they do in the first movie, which is tr- train and become partners with the dragons. 
there's what you learn this one character does is become a dragon for all intents and purposes become one of the dragons oh really okay and then enslave is that the his dragons. mom it's his mom yeah okay, yeah. yeah his mom essentially is a dragon kid and uh the it was kind of interesting because the obviously the enslavement like that doesn't work out too well they never bother addressing his mom's philosophy like at all really like it's implied that like oh well she'll live in some sort of compromise between like I saw some people were uh, commending the movie with a, for the fact that uh, who's the main character's name? Flea Bottom. Hiccup. Hiccup. He never. He never necessarily when he finally meets his mother. He never gives her. He never gives her static for a leaving the family. Yeah. And b he doesn't necessarily ever question her yeah. approach. But you're saying that they never really kind of like follow up on that as being a potential viable solution to the problem. Though. Well, it, they meet. It, what is nice is that she feels guilt for leaving, but is still fine with the decision that she yeah, made. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's and not everyone, like no one is it, mad yeah. at her about it. She's yeah. not made the villain for that Because I've seen some people choice. say like, this is retroactively feminist because sure. a major female character does a, makes a decision that kind of harms everybody, but no one really guilts her Gives about her it. shit yeah. about it. But what's interesting is that, so basically she she's like, well, I feel dr- connected to these dragons. I realize that they're these interesting and em- empathy-feeling people, but I know that my husband will never see that because they just attack our villages. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I'm just going to go be with the dragons and learn more about them. I mean, she's pretty much like Hiccup. Is that Kate Blanchett? Yeah. She's still hot in cartoon form? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not my type, but... Also, people point out that different female characters' designs in this movie are actually different, like, unlike, yeah. like Frozen or... Tango. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, they're really dramatically different, which yeah. I do I do like. Isn't that but... kind of like a danky... Wasn't that kind of like the like kind of like the weird kind of like goofy not daggy but like well you got the, the you got what's his face's girlfriend you yeah. got the mom yeah is there like another one of his buddies who's kind yeah, of like a tomboy yeah one of his pals is, they're the twins and yeah, there's and one who's a twin okay, that's what I'm what's of, kind yeah. of cute what I do like about that is that they so the two they're they're all older now they're now like twenty yeah, they're 19, all like 20. five years older yeah and, Entertainment uh, Weekly had a thing about how they made Hiccup look older by moving his ear down so it's more masculine uh, <laughs> they gave him stubble really oh they did oh yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, the uh, the the t- so there are two of the friends are courting this this terrible woman girl character, but then she meets uh, Kit Harrington. Kit Harrington does voice of character really? in this, yeah. Because he has no. Pr- is he good? Because like he's fine. Like Game of Thrones. He's just like the. Slab, I would never know like... he was Wait, Kit Harrington. Oh, really? okay. He good, does a good, good job, good. but yeah. But and then she's aggressively into him, yeah, and like pretty much sexually harasses him the whole movie, <laughs> which I felt weird about. But at the same time, like, good show show young. Man, people that girls online. can be aggressively sexual. working out. Man, that dude is ripped. Well, he never gets to show his abs or anything like no. that. He's covered in furs and shit yeah. like that. But he looks like not quite Tom Hardy. But anyway, um, I think was cute. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It, was, it was fun time. Yeah, but no, I felt it was kind of weird. Is that the mom is like, well, you will never change, so I'm gonna go live with the dragons. And her whole relationship is that she is not. She is just one of the dragons. She's not. There was no partnership or anything. She's just one of them. Yeah. And um, which is very different from how the um Vikings, like how the Burke people have their relationship with dragons because they're all more partners living together where she kind of just absorbs their identity and then she's they're like they don't blame her for leaving or anything like that but they're like we've changed we now live in the society with dragons you should come back and she she's like uh okay and then goes back but that's different yeah it's different to say like well you were raised by wolves but it's okay because we have zoos or like we have dog sleds you know it's not the same and they never address that. And it's something that, like, it seems like they're leaving for, like, the, the third movie or anything like well, that. Well, I don't know if there's a, necessarily anything 
interesting to say there. Okay. Like, really? Well, again, with The Empire Strikes Back, the metaphor, I know that specifically this guy's talking about how, like, he's there's stuff in this movie that's supposed to be set up for the third movie, and I don't know if yeah. that's, like, part of it, you know? Uh, you could, I guess that could become, maybe. Uh, it reminded me, there's, I can't remember the name of it, but there was this really interesting young adult novel I read that was kind of sci-fi in nature, and one thing I liked about it was that the mom character was a good mom, but a bad person. Mm -hmm. And then finally, in one of the books, a big climax in one of the books, is her abandoning her child. It's like, you always held me back, and I never got to do what I wanted to do, and I'm done with that, and leaves. And I was like, damn, that's cold as ice! But I thought that what? was, like, it's an interesting sort of thing for a mother to say. What's the from His Dark Materials, where she turns out to be spoilers for His Dark Materials? The mom from the, His Dark the, Materials. The, the, the lady with the gold Oh, name? wow. I totally forgot about all the characters. Turns out to be the hero's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking moms. Um. How how many limbs does Hiccup have at the end of this movie? Still three. Still just three. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. So you. It's still my, my, my most favorite part of that first movie. Oh yeah. He loses a limb and it doesn't He's get like worked on or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's one of the things I do like about these movies is that they just kind of normalize shit. There's one thing that they do that they normalize so much casually, like they normalize that girls are fucking around with boys and that they're peers, and in fact, girls can be stronger than boys. And it's no big deal yeah. and all this other stuff. And like this mom and did this other thing, and as much as they were sad that they missed her, now they can start a new life together, and that's all normal and everything like that. They have this throwaway line that one of the Vikings is gay. Oh. And then they don't really do anything. And it's so subtle. He's like, at one point, the, and it's, what's his butt? This uh, guy called Billy out Connolly? This guy called out in Entertainment Weekly, where he doesn't he say, like, oh, that's why I never got married. Oh, and also one other reason. Yeah, that's the yeah. line. And that's it. And I'm like, dude, come <laughs> on, you normalize everything else. Why not normalize it's like the that? One. It's about gay dragon marriage. There we go. There we go. T turns out uh, Burke also has like Tumblr teens and stuff like that. There we go. That's, it's, oh, you know what? Hiccup becomes a social justice warrior. Oh, Bill, tell me about Dragon's Crown. Uh, speaking of dragons, uh, I'm trying to make a joke about. Uh, I <laughs> I bought Dragon's Crown. It was yeah. on sale on Amazon for twenty bucks. Is that the game with the character design that everyone was was flipping out the about? Giant like forty pound titties, titties flying all over the place. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just so inspired by your story about how to train your dragon to living with the dragons that I did also decided that I wanted to live with dragons by sure. trying to find that Dragon's Crown. There we go, Bill. Uh, yeah. So so Dragon's Crown. I don't know what it was. All I know is Dragon Crown had a really slightly offensive, gorgeous art style. Yeah. And it was some kind of action RPG game. I don't know what to expect until I slapped it in my Vita and fired up. No, it's just a side-scrolling beat 'em up. It's just like, uh, I don't know, like, like, well, there was like, a, for like the Sega Genesis, there was a, was it Golden Axe? Mm -hmm. It was a side-scrolling beat 'em up. But it was medieval themed. You had like axes and you could play as dwarves and wizards and shit like that. It's like that, but just modern day. Yeah. Well, like, there's all this crazy RPG shit laid over on top of it, like where you can equip your guy. You have to fix and repair your weapons after every mission. Mm -hmm. You have to go to church and pray stuff. You have to, like, while you're running around the world, you can find bones of old, old dead people, bring them back to the church, and bring them back to life so they can uh, play alongside you. What? Because I guess if you're playing a console version, you could have multiple people playing together. You know, like, you could have, like, like couch co-op. Oh, okay. The Vita version, I guess that's not really possible. Sure. So instead they have it. So, yeah, you can find bones of, of dead warriors that you bring back to this church and resurrect so they can, like, you know, they're essentially, like, you know, computer-controlled sure. co-op partners. And, uh, but, yeah, no, it's just, you're just uh, I'm playing as a... As a giant dwarf named uh, Dookie. Mm -hmm. He just beats people to death with a sure. hammer. right. And, uh, yeah, but the art style is just the titties everywhere. <laughs> but, Ass actually, once you actually see the game in motion, it's really, it's supposed to be just, like, a moving Frank Quinzetta painting. That's really oh, what it is. Yeah. And everyone yeah. is. 
like the first guy you meet is like this knight who's part of this guild in this like this like like adventurers guild. Sure. And he's just a giant pile of muscles yeah. with a tiny little zit head. <laughs> and you realize just the like Yeah. Hey, it's just kind of the women having the giant. Not all the women have giant tits. There's like this little fairy character you're running around with. She only she only has like H cup tits. Oh, excuse she me. She doesn't have the giant like screen filling like. She has those Z cups, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're like the yeah, the, like the, the 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 wizard lady who you can choose from. Yeah, she's totally like like tits like falling out of mm-hmm. spilling out of her top. But no, it's 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 everything in that game is cartoony. But it is one of the prettiest games I've ever seen. It is yeah. gorgeous once you actually see everything in motion. Yeah, and just like the the painterly. Like style art style they used, yeah. And there's even like when you go to the map screen, you think it's just going to be like a top-down static uh, map screen. What it is instead, it's a representation of this kingdom that you're exploring. That's made. It's kind of done up like a pop-up book, where different buildings and stuff like that are kind of like you know pieces of paper that are stuck up. But like you have all these different like cliffs and stuff like that, and it's a revolving 3D. Like almost like a, like a like a pop up book, but like on a pie plate where it's like spinning around in circular fashion, mm. and it creates like this fake like pop up book, but also three dimensional thing where like you're flying around the world, like kind of like in I don't know. It's it's really it's hard to describe, but mm. it's really cool. And yeah, the animation and, and artwork and stuff in there mm. is fantastic. And it's just uh, yeah, just a really cool hack and slash with like really deep. Um, uh, yeah, just like loot grinding and, and sure. trying, trying to get new stuff and like upgrading weapons and things like that. And I was I took my Vita with me on my vacation. I was also playing Vita. I was playing Jetpack Joyride. <laughs> Fucking Jetpack so Joyride. So you were playing on your phone. The eighth time I played Jetpack Joyride. Did, what, did, what, did you unlock any cool jetpacks? Uh, not yet. Because you can't, can't you get like rainbow ones and stuff like that? I did not get to any of them, my friends. Oh man, the terrible thing. Uh, Matt, Matt will never listen to this, but our friend Matt, he wants to borrow my Vita because he's going back with his wife Erica back to England for the summer, mm-hmm. and he wants to borrow my Vita. I'm like, no, I want to play Dragon's Crown. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, I'm really impressed. It is one of the prettiest video games I've ever seen, hmm. and I've seen. I've I've actually played some of the. It's Vanillaware is the studio that made this game, and they're famous for their their hand painted art style but like just even on the tiny Vita screen yeah well the Vita has a beautiful screen it yeah. really is I can't nice. what the screen would look like on a, on a big full screen though like, yeah. like big full size yeah. it would be extra gorgeous but it still looks good on the Vita though but yeah mm-hmm. it just yeah. if you want to check it out before you leave you'd be welcome to but, yeah so but yeah the big tits it's it's they're ridiculous but they're yeah. no more ridiculous it's than consistently ridiculous yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. so 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 I, this blows my mind season three of Legend of Korra out of the blue like, like last I, am so, I still haven't seen season two. Really. You still haven't seen season two? I watched a couple episodes of season two and I was like, "Fuck it." No, that's Bam. a lot of people. It seems like even Nickelodeon has given up on it. Like, on on Legend of Korra. Considering that they like just like dumped this new season without any warning. They're like, yeah. "Oh yeah, uh, season three next week, I guess." I don't know. <laughs> well, they removed Legend of Korra. It's no longer available on iTunes. Oh, did they? Or on uh, Amazon? Huh. Uh, the uh, new episodes aren't being on there, and they took off all the old episodes. So oh, you, seriously? You can only, unless you have cable, the only way you could legally well, no, there is no legal way you could watch that shit now. You have to legally download it. If seriously? You to. Yeah. Which... So to catch up on season two. All I have to do is internet out dumpster. Because they've seen Which one is... on Blu-ray, but I don't think they have season two on Blu-ray Season yet. two, I think, just came out this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that, well, that's the only thing they've done, and, like, man, season two's not very good. You can almost skip... You really can't skip season two, because, like, season three really is really... A, like, there's shit that happens at the end of season two, sure. which sets up all the Are crazy shit that's happening that in season three. Are you I can three? read the Wikipedia entry on season two? <laughs> I would 
you could, but like the shit that happens is so confusing. Yeah. That I think you have to kind of see it in the flesh for it to kind of like make sense. Yeah. Uh, because there's all kinds of crazy metaphysical, spiritual shit that happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate that. Did you even see the part of uh, season two where they show back and show how the original Avatar came to be? Like how the nope. whole Avatar cycle started? Nope. And that is by far away the best bit of Legend of Korra that's. Uh, been created yet, and that's funny because it has nothing to do with Korra and a character. It's totally yeah. flashback. It has nothing to do with her. Yeah. But the setup for season three. Uh, so not only did they uh, uh, just suddenly uh, start season three out of the blue, they actually dropped three episodes at one time. Oh wow! Which is funny because like what the season's only like twelve episodes long, so yeah. that's like already a quarter of the season just yeah. got dropped out of the blue. Uh, but the first three seasons. Uh, just by virtue of the fact that they're no longer running around a Republic City, they're kind of running around the world exploring and stuff. Yeah. It feels a little more like Avatar: the Last Airbender. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it seemed like they were kind of doing this in the beginning of the last season, but that didn't stick. But it seems like in this season, maybe they are trying to ditch the whole uh, love triangle between oh, Asami and Mako. Please, that God. gets a little play. But now, it's it's. I don't want to get my hopes up because I got my I hopes up in the past yeah. about this. Not that Korra and Asami are going to be dating. But best buddies, I just want them to be they are hanging out together though in these first three episodes. Okay, they are good. kind of doing. They they find a Mad Max biker gang together. Are you kidding me? Yeah, okay, that's... and I forgot how much a zombie kicks ass. A zombie fights. is great. Yeah. Yes, that's the whole point. And they're really interesting. They're two of the most interesting couples together, and like people together in the show. Yeah, and fucking. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, Bolin and Mako, they're off kind of doing their own thing, but that's sure. kind of interesting because it's all kind of shit. Like, yeah. Kind of, you have to watch the second season to understand what's happening. I can't even yeah. talk about what's spoiling it, but it's yeah. It actually seems pretty good. Is the animation better? You know what kind of freaks me out? Because, so, it's, it's, it's the good animation studio they mm -hmm. brought back. They're doing the whole series for the full yeah. time. In the first episode, there's a couple, like, the first five minutes of the first episode of this, this new third season... Some of the faces are really fucked up, which I wonder if maybe the first animation studio had done some pre-production work for the first pilot, for the yeah. first episode of the season. Yeah. And maybe, you know, like, they just kind of kept that stuff and let, yeah. like, like, the new, the, the yeah, old, do the do. good studio build on top of that. Yeah, because there's some faces in there where it's like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But, not in a good way. But after the first, like, five minutes, it gets better, and it's back to, like, normal stuff. But, okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's... It's it's getting back towards more what I was hoping it would be when the show yeah. first started. But yeah, yeah. Was, the first season wasn't that bad. It was yeah. kind of like it was it was it's like it had potential. But the, yeah, the second season was like Woof. testament fucking here. Woof. Fuck it, you gotta shoot Mako in the head. <laughs> I don't care about Korra being manipulated by fucking water bending yeah. politician shit yeah. for the second time in a row. No, I'll get oh my titties hurt. Yeah, but yeah, it got better. I'm glad. Better, so. Well, that sure was a lot of pop culture garbage we just piffled about. Yeah, it's almost like we had two weeks to catch up on. It's almost like. Let's take a little break, then we'll be back for the Geek Week interview. Okay, we're back. Not that, you know... We could have recorded our break and it would have been part of the podcast anyway yeah. because all we did was Annie went through all of my uh, surplus Lego parts and yep. found a couple Lego figures she needs for her little cowboy werewolf town. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about how good uh, uh, the, the Destiny video Yeah, I was asking was. about Destiny. So, so. more boy howdy off after dark. So what do hey, you do everybody. with those characters? So Annie picked, uh, what'd you pick? I picked your um, skater boy. 
And then a dude who looks like a mish. It's a combination of, of a Star Wars bounty Star hunter. Star Wars and Indiana Jones with, stuff. Yeah, with an Indiana Jones bandit head. So with the your skater boy guy, I'm going to take his arms and give him different hands because I need one of my lizard ladies has this frock. Yeah. So I'm going to replace the yellow arms on her frock torso with these green arms. So it's her lizard yeah. green flesh. And then I'll probably, I may actually use the hands, these white hands from this little guy. And then I have a need for just like variously different bottom halves. Man. So his dark Andy, blue torso. This is justification for me, my, for me to buy more Lego sets in the hopes that you might need some of the pieces. Don't you stuff. dare, Bill. Man, I, I was having panic attack the other day because I was really nervous about my dentist appointment. So yeah. I just my Amazon wish list now has more Lego on it. I'll just say that. Oh my gosh. You know and what? I sent my first email to Lego customer service. <laughs> So, you I was like, my nephew <laughs> really liked the Old West parts of yeah. the Lego movie. I know that the person answering customer service does not have any power or sway or anything and also can't tell me about anything. But I was like, hey, if they have like a tally board somewhere of customer demand, I want to put in for Old West shit. And then also like, when are the new Chiba sets coming out? Aww. And this so. Andy actually right before we started recording also gave me a, uh, um, a Mixel kit. Which, uh, the Mixels are, like, these little animals made up of, like, just, like, random kind of, like, Lego pieces. But they're yeah. very cute. They have Google little uh, googly cartoony yeah. eyes and stuff. Like, they're very goddamn cute. They're pretty But I'm kind of surprised they don't have already have a Lego... Because they have a Cloud Cuckoo Land Lego movie set. Mm -hmm. They don't have a Western town? Well, they have some... They have a lot of bits and bobs from the movie. So they'll have, like, escape vehicles that are made by yeah. people who are... Basically, like, from the climax of the movie when they're fighting back and building yeah. stuff. There are a bunch of various things. Like, choo, 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 bang, bang, bang. Yeah. They have, they have things that are sort of scratch the itch, and they have parts that are westerny, but they don't have any true old Man, West there's sets. one set I have an eye on now, too. It's not even Star Wars or anything related. It's the French Cafe. Yeah. Just because that's lots of tiny little food and stuff yeah. like that. And actually, this is really cool, like... Like, like, French rooftop, like, poured concrete, like, weird shapes I've never seen in Lego sets yeah. before. And I'm kind of like, I like the idea of building a little, little, little Lego kitchen. And stuff. That's, <laughs> yeah. like, $150. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we on the break, too, we were talking about how I just uh, threw down a bunch of money to buy a new uh, PlayStation-branded headset. Because I needed a headset to play Destiny with when that game finally comes out. And the headsets I was looking at were, like, $150. And I was like, oh man, but I could spend $150 on a Lego, Lego, Lego French cafe set. So, we're, man, I spent, we are both bitches. We're assholes. Uh, I was on eBay last night. I was like, how do I find cheap lots of Lego? Did I tell you I finally asked my dad to send me my Lego? My yeah, Lego. we were talking about and that. And he told me that it's like, um, I'm getting half of it. Oh, cause because it's going to be half so it's going to be no 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 because half of it's going to be for um uh, nieces nephews and future grandchildren oh, okay. and which I was like oh and then my second reaction was. I don't get to choose which half. I mean, I want very select pieces. Oh, Dad, wait, because he's, he's not call... talking about you having babies. He's talking about your sister, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. bullshit. Yeah, I'm like, it's my fucking Lego. Like her fucking Legos. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, yeah, fucking goddamn Lego. I, yeah, I was like looking at you, babe. I'm like, how do I get the le spend the least money to get the most Lego? Are there Lego sets right now? I thought you, 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 you got on top of your head. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, no, man. I've got, there are a bunch of, uh, like, cabins that I want that will fit perfectly in Benton. And, like, there's a treehouse that has a lot of good parts. And then there are, like, some street, like, some of the just creators. There's no license things. stuff that would fit into there or anything like no, that? That's not... I got, there's the, I have all the Lone Ranger stuff. And I well, have all the Lego the movie stuff. That's... Star Wars Ewok shit. It's kind of like, I well, don't know. Well, I did pick up some Hobbit pieces, some Indiana Jones pieces, and some... Where'd you get the Indiana Jones 
pieces from eBay? Uh, no, I actually got them from Guardian Games. Okay. I got like, like some things that or... no, 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 just like pieces. Like I got Doctor Jones. Like oh, they stack. do actually sell the individual pieces down there. Yeah. Oh, did you? They have a bunch of you. Is stuff. there just Indiana Jones running around Benton now? No, it's it's Indy it's it's Indiana Jones Senior. It's Mr. Doctor Jones Senior, and uh, I just got his, his torso. That's the the wealthy eagle who I haven't decided his story. <laughs> That's great. That's him. Okay. Anyway, anyway. Peter or not, we're doing the Geek Week interview <laughs> at this point. Terry Richard, dressed in peace. Uh, Terry Richards, uh, actually, speaking of Indiana Jones, uh, he was a stuntman famous. He was in a whole bunch of James Bond movies and stuff, but he is most well-known to most people these days as being the swordsman from Raiders of the Lost Ark that Indy shoots out of cold blood. Oh. Yeah, he died of... He had the tragic, tragic case of being old. Yeah. That seems to be what's killing everybody these days, is being... 82. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, he just croaked. Uh, what else? Eli Wallach, rest in peace. Yeah, he had it coming because he was a ba- he was so mean in all those cowboy movies. Oh. He, he was a butthole. Because <laughs> he was the ugly in The Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Yeah, I almost just wrote ugly R.I.P., but I thought, yeah. like, no, let's actually put his real name. Come on, he was. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's funny because uh, my housemates and I, we've been watching uh, the, the Godfather movies and. Uh, we just stopped short of God, the Godfather Part Three, but that's probably his other uh, big movie that he's been in. Mm-hmm. So he was mm-hmm. uh, turns out to be one of the villains in the Godfather Part Three. But... Interesting. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You like Wallace? Uh... Did you grow up watching the the Clint Eastwood? No, I only saw the Good, the Bad, the Ugly. That was a recent thing. Yeah, Yeah, I only saw that within the last couple years, like since moving to Portland. And he was a huge part of like he was only in one of those movies, but he was yeah as as the ugly in the Good, Bad, and the Ugly. It's Duco. It's Duco. Is that who? That's who I'm leaning their cat over. Okay, yeah, because that's the other thing I was thinking about. Because you're posting photos of Duco, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of funny. Just like you know, Duco, yeah, but yeah. The dude who played Hollywood in Mannequin, rest in peace. Are you familiar with who I'm talking about? No, you've never have you never seen Mannequin. Uh, is Mannequin the movie about the mannequin who comes to life? Yeah! And, yeah, I that's all I can remember Annie, from Mannequin. what if they made a movie about a Lego that came to life? And <laughs> was totally set, what if it was played by Tom Hardy? And, like, came, it turned into, like, a flesh and blood, like, like uh-huh. Tom Hardy and flesh. Yeah. But then that night when you went to bed, he, went, he turned back into a little Lego Lego. And he stayed by your bedside, and he, like, watches over you. <laughs> but, like, werewolves come and try to attack you, he what turns if, back Phil? into Tom Hardy again. What if? I'm trying to write your own romance <laughs> Thank you, Bill. And then Foley just takes pictures of the whole thing, and she's like, oh, yeah, get on. <laughs> Who is Hollywood in Mannequin? Okay, so, uh, which is funny, because just, like, two weeks ago, the the, the writer-director of Mannequin, which we also mentioned on the podcast, he also died. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did not die of a murder-suicide with Hollywood, unfortunately. Uh, no, Hollywood, this is the black guy. Did you, did you ever see Designing Women? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He was the black guy. Okay, uh, designing yeah. women. This, this and the mannequin roll were his two most famous things. But he was he was like this gay guy. He's a gay window dresser in mannequin because the main character in mannequin was also a window dresser. Yeah. And his coworker is like this crazy gay guy who's like this giant pink Cadillac. He's like, Oh girl, what are you doing? Oh, why are you fucking that mannequin? Oh, <laughs> I do crazy stuff, you know, because I'm straight, but you know, it's kinda like the mid eighties, kinda like Yeah. Not gay panic, but gay, like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, yeah, so, that's very cute. He's the best part of the movie, though. He's definitely, he's the most, no, he was fun. I liked him. Now he did. And, unfortunately, beloved cat of the friend of the podcast, Haircut, passed away this week. Haircut is the cat of Steve Wolfhard and Leslie Wolfhard, two of my favorite people in the world. That was an old cat, though. Not that old. Maybe in the teens. Poor, poor haircut. I, my heart goes out to them. It's hard haircut to lose Haircut was always the most miserable looking fucking animal in the world. To be fair, they love to post pictures of Haircut, who was a long-haired cat, after she had gotten haircuts, <laughs> which she did not enjoy. Well, I mean, haircut always had that face. I was like, fuck you, leave me <laughs> yeah. alone. Like, getting a cat was not a fun-loving cat. 
Um, but yeah, cat. Uh, what she died of stress. Why yeah. did you put this on here? Why is this interesting because to our listeners? I love her. Yeah, if, if anyone knows Steve, uh, Steve Wolfhart's, he's a known, he's a known dude. His haircut was like his, like he's like his buddy. Poor. That was like his Snoopy. My my heart goes out to Steve and Leslie. It's yeah. hard to lose a lose a friend. The Lucas Narrative Art Museum will be built in Chicago. Yeah, this is mentioned on the podcast before, but yeah, this. So you weren't here. Did you hear about this at all? No. Uh, George Lucas, he is looking to build a uh, museum of narrative art, hmm. which essentially, he, uh, Lucas, with all of his Star Wars money, he's built up this giant collection of, like, Norman Rockwell art. Yeah, sure. Essentially just illustrations. Yeah. Like paintings like Frank Rosetta, all, all kinds of stuff like that. He's a huge fan of all that stuff. Yeah, sure. And so uh, he's already looking forward to death. Uh, he wants to build a museum uh, containing all this artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone keeps on calling this a Star Wars museum because mm-hmm. it is actually going to contain a lot of Star Wars art. But it's, it seems like... His his own focus. He's calling it the Narrative Art Museum because he wants it to focus on. That's a cool. Well, focus. I guess the Star Wars stuff kind of leads into that too. That sure. you can say that's a preference because that's also narrative. Mm-hmm. You know that that's kind of a narrative art. Because you could say that concept and art and, and stuff yeah, like that. They'll stuff. probably actually some have some of that stuff in there yeah. too. Yeah, in fact, they'll probably have Star Wars drews and painting tanks yeah. there, there, there too. That'll fit in perfectly with that. So yeah, so. Um, he, there was this big thing where he couldn't decide if he wanted to build this museum. It, it was going to be either between L.A., San Francisco, or Chicago. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, Chicago, why? It turns out his wife that he got married mm-hmm. to last year, um, she's a banker from Chicago, and I guess mm-hmm. that's where he's spending most of his time these days. Mm-hmm. Now that he's not, no longer has to, especially now that he's sold off all the Star Wars stuff, yeah. which was all based in San Francisco, he's essentially just moved to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so he finally decided to like, yeah, well, well, I'll build the Star Wars slash narrative art museum in my new hometown. And yeah, so he is going to, what is it? It's, I think it's, he's going to drop $400 million just to build the museum. Wow. And I think the museum's going to get like an extra, was it $300 million once he dies? Mm-hmm. Just as, you know, just in the, as an extra gift. So he's going to be dropping better part of a billion dollars on this museum. Wow. And so it should be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of art, like early um, uh, magazine art. Yeah, exactly. Sort of stuff. That, that stuff he really likes is like yeah. old timey, like from 100 years ago, that kind of illustration artwork. Mm-hmm. So. Rad. I'm down. I yeah, love that so. shit. And I love that that's the kind of shit he's doing that he, he no longer has to worry about Star Wars. Yeah. He can do shit like this. So that's Fuck, if I had money, stuff. I'd turn it into YS Museum. I'd be yeah. right there with him. And then you also get to see lightsabers and shit too at the yeah. same time. So, yeah, Chicago. That should be. I guess very it's like cool. they've already announced it's going to be like you know, some kind of waterfront part of Chicago or something yeah. like that. But yeah, very cool. Bayonetta developer Platinum Games is making a cheapy downloadable Legend of Korra console game. The guys who made Homie Rollers are also making a 3DS strategy Korra game. Yeah, so despite Nickelodeon kind of seeming like kind of abandoning the Legend of Korra by taking it off of iTunes and Amazon and not making new episodes available through, like, you can't purchase that shit, mm-hmm. and, and also dumping this brand new season without any kind of fanfare or advertising, uh, they, you, you think they were, they're just, like, abandoning, like, the, 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 the franchise, but no, I guess they've paid people to make Legend of Korra video games now. Well, that's how licensing fall. works. I know, no. I know, but... And games take, what, let's say, generously a year and a half, two years to make? Yeah. So this is two years ago, well, it's really the people Bayonetta. Yeah, play, that's a Legend weird combination. But if you make, if you think about it. It's all about like just bending, like it's a fighting sort of thing. Yeah, then it's it kind of powers and kind of like that. Yeah, so I wonder if she's gonna like yeah. like shoot wind out of her feet or something like that. Sure. But yeah, so they, they all, yeah announced that there's gonna be like a uh, strategy game for the 3ds, and I looked up the developer. They have made nothing but 
fucking furious licensed bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, this homie rollers game, which is based off all of Mexican sure, stereotypes, homie, like thug stereotypes. Homies, yeah. yeah. Which is based that that franchise quote unquote franchise, that's like based off of capsule toys. Yeah. Like twenty five cent yeah. machines at like the doctor's office yeah. or something. Yeah. So Woof. Oof. So who knows how those will turn out, but We'll see. Avatar video games. They've all been bad. Yeah, but man. I know. They could be good. But the the thing about a licensed game is it's very rarely a dev making, doing their A game. I know. It's just like, let's let's cash in on this license ASAP. Man, Joe shouldn't figure out, well, Joe knows how to uh, play uh, PC games on his uh, MacBook upstairs. Mm -hmm. And he just started playing through the Mass Effect games. Mm -hmm. And seeing those, that shit on a PC, like running at like a high frame rate with like really quality Mm -hmm. graphics and shit. Yeah. Just even the first game is just like yeah. makes me want to go back and play that. I know. Fucking Mass I keep on thinking of all the like the narrative stuff and like yeah. the character stuff in those games yeah. and like granted there's never a moment where I'm not wanting to go back and play Mass Effect. Fucking but... I'm ready for Dragon Age Inquisition. God damn. Well I guess that's the other thing you're gonna be playing on your PlayStation 4 this fall. Well huh? that's it. So that was what I was going with that story is that yeah, Foley and I looked up our Amazon pre orders because that's where we buy all of our games and I was like, Well, for the rest yeah. of the year we have uh, Sniper Elite Three. <laughs> Foley loves I those sniper about games. That. Is that for the next generation consoles? Well, it's for all consoles, <laughs> so I doubt it will be taxing the PS4's capabilities and Dragon Age. And that's literally all we have for the rest of the year. Yeah, because what else? I don't know. I can't. And it, well, of course, so the fucking Assassin's Creed bullshit. Wow. I don't play anything. Anyway, so. All that anyway. shit comes out like in the middle of October. The, I know. That's the funny thing. Like, all these games are going to drop within like the same two weeks of each other. Yeah. Uh, Ivy Pepper, question mark? So, okay, so you know about this new Gotham TV show that they're coming out on Fox? Have you oh, heard yeah, about this? yeah. Like, it's a prequel I'm gonna watch show. it with Brennan. yeah. Um, for some reason it announced that Ivy, Poison Ivy, is no longer Pamela Ivy, Isley, whatever her name is. Now her name is Ivy Pepper. Hmm. People are just upset, like, why would you actually change her name? Mm-hmm. Especially, like, it's just, her name's now just Ivy, too. It's not like yeah. any kind of, like, pun or anything like that, yeah. so. And, uh, well, people are talking about how that's... It's, uh, like, the gender thing of, like, it's okay to, like, change a woman's character. Sure. Like, why change her? I don't know. Yeah. No. I don't know if you had anything to say about it. I have no stakes in this. Well, it's, uh, you know, why are you talking about You're such well, a like, Batman fan. Well, it's, it, I, uh, my, you know, I, I know nothing about it, and I agree there's something there that, like, yeah, they would fuck with a woman's canon. But I also feel like the only names in Batman that anyone gives a shit about are Bruce Wayne. Actually, that's pretty much it. Other than that, everything, like, uh, what's his butt? Uh, the Commissioner Gordon. You can't remember his name. Barbara Gordon. There's... Alfred. Chester Copperpot, who turns into the Penguin. <laughs> is this a really Chester Copperpot? I think so. <laughs> My point is, is why? that... Why? If you're it's all kind of Ivy, and Why isn't she, I like, Ivy Potter? Potter? Pot? Uh, pot or, or, like, some kind of, like... What's the name of, like, the biggest, like, plant food company out there? Or something like that. Ivy Pepper? Is, that sounds like who you rescue in fucking Burger Time. Well, my first thought was, isn't Pepper Potts the character in Iron Man? Oh, yeah, that was my first thought. Yeah. I was like, and then Dr. Pepper. Maybe she's cool and refreshing and is a blend of 32 different <laughs> flavors. Yeah, I can't believe you like that shit. What is also that this, this Gotham bad TV Texans. show? Uh, they've came up with a new character who's supposed to be friends with, like, the, the, the penguin, I guess, named, like, Fishmonger. Okay. She's like a prostitute. Oh. Her name is like Fishhead Jones or something like that. And I'm just like, oh man. You guys Ugh. are terrible naming characters, Oof. especially lady characters. I'm going to watch that bullshit show. Well, the commercials for this thing, they, they keep on, I keep on harping on this because it's hilarious, but everything you see of 
Catwoman, who's supposed to be like this like 16-year-old girl. She's already... This is supposed to be decades before she becomes Catwoman. Mm-hmm. She's already climbing up on top of everything for no reason. Sure. Like she do. turns into Catwoman someday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like... Prequels are trouble problematic. Just for that, you know, just for all of that, because people are like, ooh. Well, especially this season, okay, doing the thing where, man. like, if, if they were going to show, like, young Abraham Lincoln, it would be, like, him, yeah. like, like stove top, like, the hat beard, except yeah. he would be 15. Yeah. It'd be like, even Clone High handled that better. Yeah. Yeah. So, Woof. Yeah. Uh, Dark Tower art leak. Susanna Dean with legs. Eddie dressed like a high school jock. Bad Fallout fan art vibe to everything in I general. I keep forgetting to rewrite these so it makes more sense when you're reading <laughs> these cold for the first time. So Susanna Dean, she's a lady in a wheelchair? I'm yeah, guessing. she's a lady in a wheelchair. She's a black lady from the 60s who, uh, she, also, she also has a split personality because someone dropped a brick on her head when she was a little girl. And, and also later on in life, she got pushed into by the same guy, the serial killer she's encountered multiple times in her life. He pushed her in front of a train and cut her legs off. Yeah. So in the Dark Tower, she has no legs. She's just pushed around all the time in a wheelchair. Which is funny, because it's kind of... The Dark Tower is kind of the Lord of the Rings, where you have these characters. Yeah, like Journey. the tiny bit of, of one of the Dark Towers books I read um, had her through the woods in a wheelchair. Oh, I'm that's like, right, how the yeah, hell? The part where they're fighting a giant the bear. giant bear. <laughs> that was all I've read of Dark Tower. Spoilers, Dark Tower is kind of bullshit from the beginning. Terrible. <laughs> My God, it was a giant bear with a with a satellite dish in its brain. Between that and everyone else I know has tried to read the Dark Tower books, for some reason they start off with the fourth book, which starts off with like this 16 year old girl being uh molested by a witch to figure out if she still is a virgin yeah. so it's this whole thing about this lady is like her old witch fingers sliding up her coochie and like <laughs> sliding around and she gets slightly turned on it's this whole like and of course i didn't want to read so i was like what yeah. the fuck is and it goes yeah. on for like 20 pages of like, course i don't want to read this I'm like <laughs> why are you starting with the fourth book and also that admittedly that is not very good but like <laughs> Oh man, but yeah. Well, so yeah, so this is the, this was a leak of the art. Not even a leak. I think what happened was that the the guy was doing concept art for the Ron Howard Dark Tower movies. I guess I guess they're officially canceled. But whatever happened, he decided to put all of his artwork up sure. onto his like online portfolio, and everyone saw it and was like, "Oh my god, it's, it's the, this is what the movie was going to look like." And the yeah. artwork was actually kind of terrible. Yeah, I hate to say that because I love concept art and stuff yeah. like that. And you know, I'd like to work in that industry someday. So I don't want to be like this guy's bullshit. Yeah. So, the artwork itself actually is not that good. And, and the ideas presented within it, like, they, there's basic changes to the characters where, yeah. like, things are, like, if this is actually following the book, that character, like, this character should have no legs. But Was she like, at least black? Out. She's at least black. She has yeah. a giant afro, too, which sure. is... Of course. She's not, because, well, it's funny, too, because her character in the book, she's supposed to be actually, she's supposed to be rich, despite mm-hmm. being black from the 60s. She's supposed to have a lot of money. Her dad was, like, a dentist and made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So she's supposed to be a little erudite. Mm-hmm. So she's not supposed to be, like, some kind of black power, kind of big Afro-having lady. So, but yeah, like, the main character, like, the main cowboy guy, he just, like, he looks like some fucking Matrix shit. Yeah. And the major, the junkie character, who's kind of like um, the, the the black lady with no legs, her boyfriend, He's dressed like Friday Night Lights, where he's just got like yeah. this like jacket, like football jacket on. Sure. That's not supposed to be his character. He's supposed to be like a junkie from the seventies. Yeah. From uh from Manhattan. Yeah. All kinds of shit like that. But yeah, most of the artwork it looks like bad concept art from a Fallout game. Because mm. some of it's also like pre rendered, like computer CGI stuff. Sure. It's not even like hand painted artwork. It's like yeah. it looks bad. It looks uh... rough. Looks rough with a capital R U F F. So yeah, so well that movie's not getting made, so we're all better off. So fuck it. Uh, another news, Pacific Rim 2, April 7th, 2017. I am honestly surprised that this is actually happening. Yeah. Is it Guillermo del Toro? Yeah. No, oh. Guillermo del Toro came out and said, yeah, it's me and, oh, his co-writer. He's got a new co-writer. Mm-hmm. I looked up, Zach Penn. 
Google him, you'll see it. he's never written anything good. No! Him, but, <laughs> I mean, granted, Guillermo del Toro has never written anything good either. But, um, yeah, yeah, he announced, uh, yeah. Interesting. What do you hope happens? Um, Did you even care about Pacific Rim? No. We talked about it enough in the podcast. I enjoyed yeah. it. I like. I want uh, Idris Elba. <sighs> yeah, what so. are you going to do without Idris Elba? Like, how I do you will not watch him? Pacific Rim, exactly. I'm yeah, sorry. Like a that's a uh... or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the only reason, I would assume the only reason this movie is getting made is because Godzilla did so well. Oh, yeah? Which is funny, because if you asked me, like, two years ago, which which would make be the biggest moneymaker, Pacific Rim, or God's, or the American-made Godzilla remake. Yeah. I would have assumed Did Pacific, Godzilla do that well? No, he made a shitload of money. Oh, I know. Well enough that, like, as soon as that came out, the guys making Star Wars said, hey, you want to make a Star Wars movie with this? Yeah. Yeah, so. But huh. yeah, no, actually... Yeah, supposedly made a fucking mint. Made a lot more than Pacific Rim. Well, I can imagine internationally it would do it would perform well, pretty well, too. too. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. but, yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting because... Man, I forgot how much of a ghost town movie theaters are nowadays. Yeah. I went to go see, uh, when I went to go see How to Train Your Dragon, we went on Saturday night at 8. The movie theater was empty. That's the thing, when I saw, went to go, I saw Pacific Rim in the second weekend, and that was a practically empty theater. Yeah. And, like, it's funny because Pacific Rim is only, only cost, like, $150 million. Right? Yeah. Which these days is almost like a B movie, yeah, yeah. Like compared to like shit like Transformers and stuff like that. And there's actually less movies being made like that. Either everything's a cheap like comedy or rom com, right. Or it's like a five hundred million dollar yeah. trying to be the star of it's a brand new franchise. Nothing. Yeah, especially the Pacific Rim, even though it's based off of kaiju stuff, which everyone knows, yeah. but it's still technically an original property. Mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah. Like I said, it's still kind of surprised that we're getting a sequel, but yeah. Um, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, it was it was fun. It, it was, was fun. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, the sequel will be better. With, with, yeah, but probably not. It could be very, actually worse. Ugh, anyway. <laughs> Doctor Who is coming back on August 23rd. Woo, he looked like an angry weasel dressed like a magician now. He does. Have you seen pictures? Yes. Yeah. He's dressed like a birthday party magician. And now he, <laughs> he also kind looks of like is, an angry actually. weasel. Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, the Onion pointed out, because I guess they've released like a tiny little teaser trailer for the new season that actually doesn't show any new footage. Uh, except for Clara saying, like, I don't know who you are now. I don't know who the Doctor is. But they also pointed out, like, the whole season of Doctor Who leading up before this is about her going back in time and, like, living a thousand lives, hanging mm-hmm. out with all the previous Doctors. Yeah. So she should not be that... Yeah, she's kind of used to change. this drill. Yeah, she, yeah. She, this should not be a big shock for her. But, of yeah. course, they're playing on they're like, oh, I don't know who you are yeah. anymore. I love this whole... Yeah, I'm just like, fucking Doctor <laughs> <laughs> The it's biggest trick the devil of the made is making you care about Doctor Who, Bill. I can't, I know. It was good for, like, uh, the kind of decade it was mildly interesting. <laughs> but, man, yeah, uh, no, Doctor Who. Thank God I was, you. thank God you were calling more me More like vaguely Doctor interested. Who cares. Yeah, Doctor <laughs> what? Thank I've been God, a dick. Thank God you only cared for, like, half cared for, like, a half a season. Yeah, I think I did you it. Got out. Right. Yeah. You know what, Doctor Who, it's the thing, the thing about Doctor Who is that it should be treated like just kind of a fun thing you pop in and out of. It's yeah. people who, you when you invest too much in any one thing, you're looking for disappointment. Well, that's the thing is, Doctor Who, especially since it came back, has made more, it's, sometimes it's trying to be kind of a Buffy quality, I don't want to say adult, but, like, kind of grown-up entertainment where, sure. like, there's kind yeah. of crazy high stakes. But then I'm actually switch, switches back down to little kid mode. Yeah. And that's the kind of schizophrenic nature of that show where it yeah. can't really, especially under Stephen Moffat, the new yeah. guy, it really can't decide what totally, what, what, what kind of, like, uh, yeah. 
uh, what kind of vibe it wants to strike. Because, yeah, at one moment you're supposed to be really invested, like, the Doctor's going to get married to River Song, and it's going to have humongous implications for the galaxy, and they're going to make weird S&M double entendres at each other. And then the next thing, it's like, oh, but it's just a fun little rock for kids. Yeah. And it's kind of like, what are you, oh, my brain hurts. What's going on? <laughs> so. Uh, in summation, our brains hurt. It was the Boy Howdy podcast that we just did, that you just listened to. Yeah. How about that, y'all? Thanks for uh, uh, your patience, and now I'm back to help build about things. We are boyhowdypodcast.com, at boyhowdypodcast on Twitter. Howdy at boyhowdypodcast.com is a good way to contact us. As always, you can find us on iTunes if you're so inclined. Perhaps leave us a review if you want, uh, if you're so inclined. And uh, we love you. Also, if you're wondering what happened last week's episode, uh, maybe we'll fix it so it'll actually download. <laughs> I hope... I- I didn't, it never occurred to me that people were probably downloading last week's episode on iTunes last week or probably like... Well, on our feed. Hello, this is Ryan Johnson. Three three quarters of yeah, our know, exactly. listeners Yeah, I was wondering why our, our ratings went down. Listenership uh, fell apart last week. There you go. I, I, it would kind of nice if it was just because you were gone. Of course. I can't blame people. You know, people just love me. You weren't the glue that holds the Boy How Do you Podcast together. Something like In that. In fact, they... Aside from the fact that you're actually half the boy howdy. <laughs> you're literally I'm the, the cream. howdy. You're, you're the boy. You're the cream filling. That's right. Everyone wants double stuff Annie. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, we got it, everybody. <laughs> I'll talk to y'all next That's week. That's the title of this week's episode. Everyone no, wants no, double stuff Annie. No. <laughs> Love you guys. We'll no. see you next week. Oh. If I were a cookie, I would be Fig Newtons. And that they're kind of nasty and filled with shit. <laughs> you're a fruity No cake. one likes them. <laughs> Oh, Fig Newtons. Uh, everyone email us your, what your ideas of what your favorite cookies You're are. You're trying desperately to pull this back, Bill. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. Oh, love you guys. Okay. Okay.